New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. I guess we're going to call this hashtag Danielle in the daytime. We're going to be talking all things New York sports right up until you can hear right here on the fan, the Yankees at White Sox game. That's going to be on our FM signal, just so you know. And the annual Jets-Giants game at MetLife Stadium. That will be on our AM signal. And don't forget, too, that the Mighty Dodgers are in town to take on the Mets in Game 2 at City Field tonight. So we've got a loaded show for you guys today. Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And I want to welcome in my normal overnight listeners. I see you guys. And the brand new sets of ears that are tuned in right now. You guys know that number. It's probably already pre-programmed into your phones. 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only, please. And I'm going to bring you and weave in the sound that I was able to capture at the pregame uh, on the field at, at the Mets game last night. I, I scored some one-on-ones with uh, Francisco Lindor, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner. So Pete Alonzo first told everyone on Sunday, August 8th, that the Mets are going to get knocked down, but they're going to get up again. And then he doubled down with, on that statement. He didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing him. But he doubled down on it with me on Tuesday. Take a listen. This is a pretty uh, pretty intense part of our schedule, but every single every single one of us is, is ready for the challenge. Well, the Mets record since he said it, 3-1. and one. And was he really that crazy to preach confidence into the fan base, into his own clubhouse? He is a leader. We all know that. That record, that 3-1 and one record, consists of a three-game sweep of the division rival, yet tanking, I know, Nationals, and a valiant effort that fell just short against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, uh, of course, you guys watched it. It was a late game, extra innings in City Field last night. So in that game, that Friday night game, last night's game, 66% of the Mets' batting order had an opportunity to play hero ball to walk it off against the mighty Dodgers. And those those players were Dom Smith, Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonzo himself, Jeff McNeil, Jonathan Villar, and J.D. Davis, none of whom could get it done. Combine that with the fact that Jerry's Familia was pitching on his third straight day, and he coughed another one up. All things considered, there were a few things learned for the rest of this series, and again in a few short days when they take on the Dodgers again. A, the Dodgers' bullpen is not made of Teflon. B, if the Mets can hit the ball, they can win. Because they averaged 11 hits in Thursday's two games against the Nationals and won both of them. And they had seven hits against the Dodgers and came up just short. So where is the happy medium there? And C, well, herein lies the problem. Going into play Friday night, the Dodgers, well, they scored the second most runs per game, 5.19, in case you're wondering. The Mets, well, going into Friday night's game, they they were ranked 28th in the league in runs per game, 3.8. But there is good news. The Mets held the Dodgers to that figure in nine innings, and they outscored their own season average. The Dodgers are a better team. I think everyone knows that. And with that said, if the Mets were going to steal a game versus the Dodgers, Friday night, last night, had to have been the one. Tonight, I believe things are going to get messy at City Field. You got Walker Bueller, who leads all of baseball in ERA, against the sliding 
Paiwan Walker, who I think has hit a wall for this season. I think he's maxed out innings-wise, and I think that's what we're seeing. And I don't know, but I, I don't look now. But Sunday's game, it doesn't look any easier because you got Max Scherzer, who's got the right now the eighth-best ERA in the major leagues going up against this Mets lineup. So if you had to steal one Friday night versus Urias, that, that was the one, and the Mets came up just short. I hope I'm wrong. I do. But it's going to be real, really tough. But then again, the Mets, they're 46-14. and 14. That's significant when they score first. Mets are 46-14 and 14 when they score first. So I guess we're just going to have to see what happens. And also, what's up with Jacob deGrom? He's shut down for another two weeks, won't throw a baseball for two more weeks. That, I don't know if that's an optimistic timeline, but that timeline puts his return at mid-September. And here's an insidious thought that I know has crossed every Mets fan's minds. Is Jacob deGrom done for the season? To me, I hate to say it, but I think it looks like it. And and also to me, this is just another indictment of, uh, I'm using air quotes here, acting GM Zach Scott, who admitted that he knew about the extent of the injury to Jacob deGrom, and he said this hours before the trade deadline yet did not make a move to acquire another starting pitcher. Uh, this is, this is um, on, the, on the John Heyman and Cody Decker podcast leading up to the trade deadline, Scott said this. He said, I do subscribe to that old adage that you can never have enough pitching, and I do think that that has been the main reason I've seen seasons fall apart. Well, let's follow that under things that make you say, hmm. It was an idyllic scene, a Major League Baseball game being played among the corn stalks on the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Aaron Judge, one of the faces of baseball, homered twice, and yet the Yankees still found themselves looking up at the scoreboard at the White Sox. Then Giancarlo Stanton, who has been brutal in clutch situations since he got here to New York, in the top of the ninth, sent a screaming line drive over the fence in left field. The Yankees took the lead, into the bottom of the ninth. And that is where the Yankees fans were yelling, cut, end the movie here. Instead, Tim Anderson said, roll the credits with one swing of his bat, spoiling the film for Yankees fans everywhere. Now, Zach Britton last week said he's been pitching like expletive that starts with an S for most of the season. His words, not anybody else's. To me, that indicates a major confidence issue. In fact, Zach Britton's ERA for this season is the highest in his entire career. And it's actually not even close. So why on earth would Aaron Boone bring him in in such a high-leverage situation on a national televised, nationally televised, highly anticipated Field of Dreams game? Which... If I'm not mistaken, I could be, though. It might have been the only baseball game going on at that time. So why not Jonathan Lewisaga, who has been one of the Yankees' most trusted relievers this season? I mean, that was a question that we all asked ourselves while watching in real time. And, well, I guess the computers must have told him differently. Aaron Boone said right here on these airwaves, he said it had been a consideration to use Jonathan Lewisaga. He said, we thought the right move once we got the lead was to go to Britain. That's not good enough for me, that explanation. What is good enough is that the Yankees rotation has has done its best 
to withstand this latest round of COVID infections. And, and Boone, I think in that same interview, told Joe and Evan that Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery, they're expected to make starts early this upcoming week. And that's a huge boost. Get the Red Sox coming to town. And they are two, uh, Cole and Montgomery, that is, two of the top three Yankees in terms of war this season, if you believe in that sort of thing. And then Luis Severino took a step backwards Friday night. He did not take the mound for the Scranton Rail Riders. And the manager said, Doug Davis, his name is, he said, as you heard in Erica's update, he didn't feel right during warm-ups. But he also said it doesn't, doesn't seem like it was anything serious. And that comes from Doug Davis. I mean, who knows? There's obviously more context to this. We're going to have to keep monitoring that. You know, I'm going to do the best I can while, while having the, the Bears-Dolphins game on in the studio, monitoring that. Got a lot of stuff going on. So I'll do my best. But you guys, you can do your best, too. If you're watching the Yankee pregame, if you see something on Twitter, um, go ahead and give me a shout. This is going to be a collaborative effort here. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. So it looks like we've made it, everyone. Preseason football is now officially upon us. And starting today, we will have football on our TVs every weekend from now, today, through the freezing cold of February 13th, 2022. That is the date of Super Bowl 56. And and wouldn't that cold feel really good right about now? But before we talk about what to watch for in, in these preseason games, if you're a Jets and a Giants fan, you know I've got you covered on that. I also picked that Shania Twain song to introduce this topic because of the look how far we've come lyric. Because I know the green and white scrimmage and the Giants open practice, they were both played at MetLife Stadium. I get it. And with fans. But I do know that today and every successive week hereafter will be many of our fans' first time back at MetLife Stadium. And, you know, what, what better way to do this and welcome the season in than with the Jets and Giants playing each other, you know, as New Yorkers, as New Jerseyans, and as nutmeggers. And, yes, that is what people from Connecticut are actually called. So, I don't know. I mean, just keep that thought in your minds as you converge upon MetLife Stadium later today. Keep it clean in the stands because as we've seen in our baseball stadiums here in New York and across the country, many people seem to have forgotten how to behave at games. Take last night as an example. The most recent example I can think of, right? When some moron shined a green laser into the eyes of Max Muncy in a pivotal spot in that Met Dodger game last night. I mean, enjoy it, everyone and just reflect upon how far we've come in this battle against COVID-19 and, and how far we still have to go. So, okay, with that said, um, since we are the Giants Radio Network, I figured we could take them first. So what am I looking for uh, from Big Blue tonight? So I'll be honest, I wish more, actually. Joe Judge told everyone that he will not be playing quarterback Daniel Jones. So let's, let's stop it right there. My first initial thought was, is he hurt? Well... That's not it. And then my mind shifted to, well, maybe Joe Judge doesn't want him being teed up or teed off on by the bubble Jets defenders trying to make an impression. That makes sense. Except for the fact that Robert Sala told everyone that he's planning to play his rookie quarterback and his starters for about a quarter. So that's not it. And as a coach, from a philosophical standpoint, I feel like I mostly align with Joe Judge. And, and personally, I know I 
would want to put my players in the best situations in order to succeed. And kind of that's where we differ. I know that's what he has in his own mind too. But with that said, I believe that there is no reason why Daniel Jones, who has told everyone he's going to prepare like a starter for this game, should not be getting at the minimum at least one series. The guy is at a pivotal point in his career, which is directly correlated to a pivotal juncture in the Giants franchise. And let's be honest. If the Giants fail to miss the playoffs this season, which the only way, as far as I see it, is through winning the NFC East, heads are going to roll. So go through some scripted plays against a brand new defense. See what works. See what doesn't work. Get a feel for game speed. And then take all that information back to the drawing board. I know I would do that. And I know you can look at the list of offensive position players not playing and point to that and say, well, hey, He's not playing. That's why Daniel Jones isn't playing. But again, look at that list very closely. You got Barkley, Galladay, Rudolph, and Tony. Daniel Jones didn't play with any of those guys last year anyway. And I know Barkley threw four carries into week two, but I don't even really count that. So as I just mentioned, also sitting the bench with Daniel Jones tonight will be Saquon Barkley, who I'm okay with this because he hasn't taken a single hit since the season-ending injury in Chicago on, guess when, September 20th, 2020. So I'm okay with Barkley not playing in this game for that very reason. He hasn't even been hit at practice yet. He's been participating in individual drills all camp so far. Then you got Kyle Rudolph, who is still on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list, after going foot surgery, undergoing foot surgery. He'll be ready to go by week one, that's what they say, so fine. And then Kenny Galladay, the biggest... Uh, ticket free agent acquisition for the Giants. I think, you know, in the league maybe even. Now the Giants, they got him. But he's still nursing a hamstring injury. So, you know, the Giants, they said they've avoided the the worst case scenario. And my guess is that that Kenny Galladay makes his uh, preseason debut in the the, uh, Patriots game on August 29th. And then you got Kadarius Toney. It is one thing after another with this guy, isn't it? Will he even play tonight? That's another thing we're going to have to keep an eye on. Because most recently, he's just coming off the COVID list after beginning training camp there after testing positive for COVID, obviously. Then he was previously mourning the death of his, his grandmother. Then he had the wrong cleats on during rookie minicamp. I'm working backwards here. I mean, there's always seems to be something with this guy. Is it a string of bad luck? Or is it a sign of bigger issues? Listen, I'm not here... Every day. I'm not there every day, I should say. And I don't have a first-hand account of Kadarius Tony and how he's practicing but and, and what he looks like and, and all that. But as you guys know, I said it when the Giants drafted him. I am highly skeptical about his will and desire to play NFL football. He's got a lot of other stuff going on, and I feel that that is seriously distracting him from being great at the professional re- level. Now, again, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he proves me wrong. But next to Kadarius Tony's name in, in my depth chart, I've got a gigantic red question mark. And with all that said, my focus tonight will be on the offensive line play for the Giants, where I think most of our interests all lie, everybody, right? Apparently, many of the starters should be getting a lot of reps, maybe not at their normal positions. Although, we all know that is subject to change, so that's something else we're going to look for. And then the first official Giants depth chart was released, and it shows from left to right Thomas Lemieux, Gates in the center, Hernandez, and Matt Pert. So take it or leave that. 
And finally, an individual player to keep your eyes on for the Giants is going to be sixth-round pick from Oklahoma State, cornerback Rodarius Williams, who by most accounts is having an outstanding camp. So we'll talk more about him and others as the show progresses. And for the Jets fans, obviously all eyes are going to be on rookie quarterback, selected second overall out of BYU, Zach Wilson. I love, love that Robert Sala is going to give him and the starters about a quarter of playing time. Remember, Robert Sala is a first-year head coach bringing on a first-year offensive coordinator to work with a brand-new first-year quarterback. So to get all of these guys on the same page, making sound decisions in a game-speed environment against an actual opponent, it's going to be absolutely key. And I know that's the obvious answer, but it's true. So we could talk some more in-depth as the show progresses right here up until kickoff. Who else I'm keeping an eye on uh, if I'm a Jet fan? And for what it's worth, the Jets, when I checked at 10.45 this morning, are two-and-a-half-point favorites. That kind of surprised me, especially because Zach Wilson has never stepped foot on an NFL field before. So that surprised me. That's why I wanted to include it to tell you. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan in the daytime on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime, everybody. This is fun. I like this. There's a little glare on the producer screen. I had to pull down the uh, the shade here. Uh, now I could see him. All right. So uh, if you guys can't get through, the you guys can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I do have it open. I'll try my best to keep up with him. Okay, everybody? So Corey Kluber and the Yankees, real quick, before we get to your calls. Corey Kluber is pitching in his first or was pitching in his first actual game since May 25th in Arlington, Texas. For any Yankee fan expecting that Corey Kluber is going to valiantly return to the major league squad at 1,000%, throwing no-hitters, going deep into games, and being that missing piece in a Yankee postseason push, well, all I'm saying is for right now, you better temper those expectations because Thursday, he made a start for the Somerset Patriots. Spoiler alert, it wasn't good. He threw 45 pitches, just 20 of them were strikes, and he eventually ended up going one and a third innings, gave up five runs on two singles, four walks, two hits batsmen, and a wild pitch. And Kluber said, uh, I think, is a quote, I think I could be encouraged by how physically, how, how, let me start that over. I think I can be encouraged by how I felt physically while I was out there. And I'm going to say, uh, yeah. So I'll keep my eyes on the next start of his uh, for you guys. It should be, everybody's saying it should be either Tuesday or Wednesday. So if you guys want to keep an eye out for that. All right, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. And what is Danielle in the daytime without Vernon from the overnights? Vernon, what's up? You're first today. <laughs> hey, Danielle, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. You forgot to say your famous word. What's snacks? <laughs> well, I guess no one's eating two two p.m. snacks. That's a thing. Oh yes, they do. People eat. <laughs> they go out. Makes no difference. Well, anyway, today I'm calling you because I want to give you a baseball quiz question. Yes. And this is a two part quiz question. And if you get it correct, you will get um a uh, oh goodness a Pete Alonso. Rookie card, 
The card is already graded a 10. Perfect. That's a GM card. Mm -hmm. The other one you'll get will be an Aaron, um, uh, goodness, uh, 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 Aaron Judge uh, rookie card. That's also a PSA graded 10. And you will get from the Rumble Ponies, Pete Alonzo autograph card, DNA, PSA tested. It is real. And you'll finally... Replica card is of um, Jackie Robinson. So here's the question for you. Big stakes here. Okay, I I think I'm ready. Okay, here's the question for you. Two parts. In the World Series, a pitcher is about to pitch the baseball. Give me the correct number of how many people are on the field. So just so everybody, this new audience knows, Vernon gave me this question a few weeks ago, and uh, I've had a few weeks to think about it, and um, this is the first time he's called in with that question. So, Vernon, I have this written down. Do you want the total first, or do you want me to go who's who first? No, just give me the number first, because that okay. will unlock the next door. Okay, I say 19. Uh, no. You lost. Oh. Uh, so let me hear what your 19 uh, were. Maybe I added it wrong. All right, I got six umpires. Okay. I've got two base coaches. Okay. That makes eight. I've got nine fielders. Okay. Which makes 17. I've got one batter, 18. Okay. And one on-deck batter, 19. All right, so here is the answer. There are nine players on the field, six umpires. You have one batter at the plate, mm-hmm. one batter in the circle, mm-hmm. right hand um, ball or baseball girl on the on the right side, right handed boy or girl on the left hand side. You have a right uh, field uh, first base coach and a right and a uh, left um, a left field baseball coach. Total number twenty one. But those ball boys and ball girls are they're on the field? Yes, they are. Uh, they are allowed to be on the field. I was close. Now some stadiums don't have it, some do, but they are allowed to be there. Twenty one is the correct number. Uh, well, I was on a roll, Vernon, and uh <laughs> I figured I guess what goes up must come down. Damn, that was a good question. Yeah. That was a good so one. That is the- All right, Vern, I, I think, I think, did you cut out there? I'm still here. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, good question. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> and I think everybody's okay. now going back and, and thinking about it, too. <laughs> yeah, just take, just take a look at it. You'll see that they are there, and, you know, you got your first base coach and your third base coach. Yep, yeah, I got those. All right. All right, Vernon, thanks. <laughs> we'll talk, uh, oh. I guess, next week. I'll be on next, next, more, next Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Yeah, just remember one thing. Yes. The guy who called in and gave you the correct answer, he told you 21, and he mentioned about it, but he gave you the right answer. Mm. I don't remember who that was, but if you if that was you, tweet me or call me. All right, no, Brian. No, no, no. That, was, that wasn't me. There was another guy, and he said to you, I think it's 21, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the ball boy is allowed, yeah. in which he's not, because he can only stay in the dugout until the umpire calls for 
the uh, baseballs. Mm-hmm. But when he said that, I thought, okay, he gave the right answer. <laughs> so I was hoping that you had listened to him. Another one gave you an answer, but they, that person was wrong. Yeah, but we, had, the we other had a bunch of guests. Was, was right. Yeah. All right, Vernon, okay. thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we had a bunch of guests that night. Uh, you know, we had everything from really wrong answers to apparently really right answers, which is cool. Well, sorry. I, I, I let you guys down. Sorry. Vernon, good question. Uh, try and well, uh, we'll get me next week. I was on a roll for a really long time, but he'll have a new one for us next weekend. Okay, so let's go to Justin in Deer Park. You're, you're up second on the fan, Justin. What's up? Hey, Daniel. Well, this least you're on a good, really good time today, so oh, I can't thank complain. You. Thank you. But not being able to call. Well, you're in. What do you got for me today? Um, two things. Do I have a Mets and Yankees? You pick which one you want first. Mm, oh, it's up to you. Let's go. Well, the Mets are more, more recent. Let's go to the Mets. All right. Do you think – I heard you open up what you said, how the Mets did now. Do you think this is what Cardin always thinks about the same old Mets type of move? Uh, I mean, same old Mets, different regime. Uh, I don't know if I would categorize it as that. I would call it – honestly, I would call it kind of gross GM negligence, honestly. Uh, you know you have a pitcher. You know the pretty much the extent of the injury, and you just stand pat at the deadline and go get a shortstop that you don't need. We can get into that, too. You get a short step that you don't need. I wouldn't categorize it as same old Mets. However, I would say it's a gross negligence on the part of the GM. Yes. 100%. I agree. Just And then look what happened to Javier Baez yep. now. Ends up on the IL. Yep. All right. But you couldn't predict that. Name, to be fair, you couldn't you predict could, that. Yes, 100%. But 100%. And I'm not even debating about that. Yeah. You know I don't debate things like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Yankee question? Yankee, yeah. How amazing was that atmosphere of the Field of the Dreams? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. As much as it wasn't the best outcome for the Yankees, yeah. but unfortunately those two walks after Judge's home run, and then after they took the lead, those, after those walks, you knew it was just trouble. Yeah, it was. You know, it was uh, It was a completely deflating if you're a Yankee fan to watch that. You got this idyllic scene, and, and Justin, thanks for the call there. That's an idyllic scene in the cornfields. You got Giancarlo Stanton with two ears of corn in his pockets while he's, you know, taking batting practice. I mean, it was this whole thing. Kevin Costner's coming out, the whole thing, right? And then the Yankees lost. And you're like, oh, man, that stinks. But the Field of Dreams game, awesome. Awesome in every sense of it, you know, the nostalgia factor, the, the venue itself, just really, really well done by MLB. Let's go to Nick in Mawa, New Jersey. My neck of the woods, Nick, you're up next on the fan. Hey, hey Daniel, how are you? I'm good, so, how are you? Um, I, I'm good. It was a great segue into my question. <laughs> you know, when, when whether it's MLB, NFL, and the NBA, when they have these sort of um, – these type of events like Field of Dreams, right? The goal is to promote the game, right? right? Get more exposure to it because even folks, you know, people that don't necessarily love baseball, a lot of people have watched that movie and they can relate. So even when you looked at the ratings, they were through the roof. So my question is, why have it as a one-game series? I don't understand. Why not play the whole series there and keep it rolling? Yeah. Oh, he just dropped off. Uh, Nick, I'm sorry you dropped off there. I didn't do that. Uh, Yes, that's a great question. I, I actually, watching it, thought the same thing. And then my next thought was, well, maybe they just wanted to see how it was going to go. Maybe they didn't want to put a whole series there just in case something went awry. That's what I was thinking. I hope that next year that it that it will expand. I, I think there's going to be a next year. I think Rob Manfred pretty much told you that, that there was going to be a next year game. I hope it's more of a series, though, than, than one single game. I think uh, it, it was uh, very completely well done. 
you know, I'm not there. I did speak with John Morosi very, very quickly yesterday, and he said he was there, and he said it was just awesome. So, um, and and did you notice too that the reporters and everybody they had on like 1920s like ensemble, except for Frank Thomas, he didn't really fit in, but the rest of them looked pretty good. But um, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I would like to see that expanded next year, but then again, my next, my third thought was, well, you're going to take a home, you know, home field advantage away from which team then at that point. You know, different field dimensions, no crowd behind them. I don't know. But then I, then my mind went into, okay, well, maybe this is going to be a, a site for maybe the All-Star game. I thought that would be pretty cool. But then I thought, well, the All-Star game is kind of big for that. Well, Okay, maybe it'll be like maybe in a Futures game, All-Star Futures game. That's kind of where I where I settled, settled in my thought process there. So I don't know. I, initially, I thought World Series, but I don't think that would happen. It's not like it's a Super Bowl, you know, n- neutral site, the whole thing. So, I don't know. I just think well, very well done. Nick, you raised a great point, and, I, and I'm sure we are going to, um, I guess, find the answer out to that in the offseason because, uh, you know, Rob Manfred has swung and missed on a lot of things, but this was not one of them. East Haven, Connecticut, we go. Tim, you're up next on The Fan. Finally, Tim from East Haven is back on the fan. Hey, that's like rock yeah, channeling the rock there. I'm doing my people's eyebrow Danielle, for you right well, now. Okay. Uh-oh, Tim, what happened to you? Yeah, I got you, got you. Okay, here we are. Long time no talk. Happy Giants game day. Yep, you too. Um, You know, I was all excited with the way camp is. It's all chippy, and there's fights, and there's brawls. And I gave Coach Judge a ton of way he handled it a ton of credit he you know punished him kind of like Herb Brooks a la Herb Brooks again mm-hmm. making him run making yeah. him do all that loved everything it. else I loved it and then today we have our first game and Daniel Jones isn't playing and now I have to critique Mr. Joe Judge yeah I'm with you because the cat needs reps do we not watch them the last two years we, his pocket awareness has got to be one of the worst in the league, holding on to the ball too long. Yep. He needs timing. Our offensive line, again, I'm, I'm going to be positive. We're going to be better. We're going to be better. I'm going to be positive. They need reps. They all need reps. Yes. If Tom Brady could play a quarter, Patrick Mahomes could play a quarter, Daniel Jones can play uh, or a series. Daniel Jones could play a series. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Exactly, and, and, and the fact he's not playing is, is not good. Yeah, and, and Tim, thanks for the call. There, we're up against a break a little bit, but two quarterbacks that you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Tom Brady. Well, those two guys know a little bit about football, don't they? They played in the uh, I don't know Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl that is. Daniel Jones, yes, it, it, it's it's game speed reps that he needs. Again, it's not with the first team around him. Maybe that was the hesitation. The kid needs reps. I'm with you, Tim. I, he, and I said it in the open. That is a, a, you know, a major step in the development of Daniel Jones is to get him out on the field, feeling the pressure from a defense that is not wearing, you know, Giants colors. They're going to be wearing a different set of colors. So I'm with you. I don't understand. And yes, good call. The Field of Dreams game. What do you guys like? What could be improved upon? Let's t- talk about that coming right up after the break. Nice. This song means business there, Connor. I like it. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. 
If you guys can't get through on the phones, you can always tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. That is open on my computer right now. I'm looking at it. And uh, although I'm not looking at it, you guys can uh, go to Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. As we were just talking about, and I'll get to your calls in a second, you guys hang there. Uh, There's a lot of things that Rob Manfred got wrong in his tenure as commissioner of the MLB. But this Fill the Dreams game... He got so right. It paid off in the ratings. Fox said it was the highest rated MLB regular season game in 16 years. That's like half my life. Kevin Costner said in the pregame, it does feel like all the teams are going to want to touch this. So that got me thinking, well, I'm going to ask some of the players at the Mets-Dodgers game last night. And, you know, the Mets did not have BP. Uh, you know, after the doubleheader, it was, it's very hot. They didn't take BP. So for those of you guys saying, well, why didn't you interview any Mets? Well, I did interview Lindor, by the way. And that was basically the only player besides Kevin Pillar, but he was talking with a coach. I didn't want to interrupt them. Um, that was the only player besides Kevin Pillar that was on the field taking some swings. So that's why I didn't interview any Mets. That's why all the Dodgers were accessible. So I went with it. So first, Trey Turner told me that he would do it. He would be in on a, a Field of Dreams game. But it depends on the travel schedule. I was like, what? <laughs> and then here's what Max Scherzer had to say. I'm a fan of baseball, too. So when the players buy in, you buy in. Right. And actually, Aaron Judge said he had, it was one of the only bus rides where all the players like put their phones down and were like looking around, <laughs> watching all the people with the signs on their yeah, way in. I, I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. That would make sense. You, you know that's true when these players are putting the phones down. That's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's like a huge compliment. So... It is, and he was right about that. And the few, full interview with both of them went up on our social media channels not long ago, WFAN that is, and along with an article from our own Ryan. I don't want to get this wrong. It's either Chick Hester, Chick Hester, Ryan. He does a great job, by the way. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm very sorry, but you do a great job. Nice article, so you guys can go and check that out. So, Field Dreams game, let's tweak it. I have three suggestions. One, James Earl Jones should have announced all the batters. Maybe he doesn't have to be there, but he can record it just like Jeter had Shepard do for the rest of his career. Two was the bugs in the background. I mean, I muted my TV three times thinking I had a cricket in my house. The dog then tried to eat something near the front door, and I thought it was an actual cricket. Like, it got me a fourth time. And three, can Nike please just remove the swoosh for just one game? I mean, those uniforms were so classic. And then there's the Nike sign on them, so... All that said, it was an amazing thing. And, and, and there was one thing that really bugged me. One of the betting apps was doing a three-leg parlay special. And I don't bet much. This is probably, I don't remember the last time I put a bet on a game. But I was like, all right, I got to beat it on this. I did Aaron Judge to hit a home run. He hit two. I did Yankees to win. And I, hit, and I had Tim Anderson to record two or more hits. The total odds was plus 20, 28. So my $25 wager, which is what the minimum it had to be, would turn into $532.16. $532.16. That was until I was riding high. Tim Anderson decided to turn his second hit into the game-winning home run. Oh, man. Oh, man. And, and by the way, the phrase Zach Britton was trending through Saturday morning. Ten pitches was all it took for him to squander that game away. And now the Yankees are the first and only team in history to lose a game in the state of Iowa. So what's next? Where does it go from here? What about a game on the Sandlot Field in Salt Lake City, Utah? Is that in the cards? I'd sign for that. 
It's code of calls 877-337-6666. And by the way, I did ask Lindor, Turner, and Scherzer about that too. So you go find those on our social media channels on WFAN. Let's go to Dom in Edgewater. Dom, you're up on the fan. Well, Husky Pride on the fan. How are you, Danielle? Dom, you're from my town too? Yes, I graduated. Uh, you graduated in 2007, and I was two years behind you. I was graduating in 09. Oh, I was six. What's your? Oh, sorry. Okay, I was six. What's your, what's your last name? <laughs> but I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, so I remember we were in the same class together. So, cool. well, not same class, but you get the idea. Yeah, you know yeah. Where I'm going with it. What's your last name, Dom? Uh, Can I ask? The, uh, yeah, Panfile. Oh, yeah, we were in band together. That's right. Yep, you played the trumpet. That's right. Look at that. All right. I got, okay, at least I got that correct. Dumb, so. still and I know do. You also, and I know you also played soccer, so I know that as well. No, I never played. That was the one sport I never played. But, Dom, I, I am. I wanted, I've been thinking about bringing my trumpet in here one of these days and playing for everybody the uh, Timmy trumpets for, for Diaz. I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know if people I'm would sure like that awesome. or call me weird, but, you know, whatever. No, no, <laughs> it's okay. Hey, listen, from one musician to another, it's okay. Musicians are weird anyway, so it don't matter. All right, what do you got um, for me, Dom? Any- uh, anyway, um, first of all, uh, great. I've listened to you a couple of times, um, and I've also listened. You did an interview, actually, about Kyrie Irving a few um, months ago, mm-hmm. about, um, and you did a great job on that piece. Because oh, uh, I'm in Brooklyn, that fan as well, mm-hmm. so um, you did a great job. Thanks. Uh, the Yankees, you know, this has been such an up-and-down season. I, I mean, from the eighth walk-off loss last night, to just the moves that they've made. You know, Rizzo's been terrific. Mm -hmm. Gallo, I don't know where he is. But my big thing is the Yankee bullpen, and you actually touched upon it. The the strength that the Yankee bullpen was for years and years and years is now no longer Mm -hmm. because it's just like, you know, I, I, I was at a game Friday night. I was at the Mariners game Friday, and I'm thinking to myself, I just hope they don't give me a heart attack because it's like, who comes in, Albert Abreu, you know, who not great and all, but again, the Yankee bullpen is their strength. And, you know, I'm glad the offense is coming around and they're, you know, they're hanging, they're keeping it in there. But can Aaron Boone please just make some managerial decisions? Because it feels like he just stays quiet. He does nothing. And I just feel like, you know, he's a pawn in whatever, you know, the Steinbrenners tell him or, you know, he, you know, as much as, you know, the Yankee players love him, so to say, you know, it just feels like it, it, I get nothing with Aaron Boone. It's like I get nothing with Aaron Boone. And wow. I feel like if the Yankees do miss the playoffs this year, I feel like there's right for criticism and there's right for a managerial change. So yes. just wanted to touch on that. Want to tell you a great job and Husky pride. So. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yes. And I am with you. If the Yankees failed to make the playoffs this season and who knows if they're going to go in as if they go in as the AL East champions. I mean, Red Sox pivotal series is coming up, doubleheader game, the whole thing this week. Uh, or is it going to be as a wild card team? Or is it going to be nothing at all? If it is nothing at all, I do think that Aaron Boone is going to be out of a job, and rightfully so. I mean, he listen when you look at what Joe Girardi did, he took that 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 Yankees team, that up and coming Yankees team, which had no expectations on them, to within one game of the World Series. Now you got Aaron Boone with a loaded team, so to speak, right? And and he can't he can't win a World Series with them. I mean, what are we doing here? And I, you know, I tried. I asked uh, Matt Blake, you know, who makes the decisions and when to do you, what do you do? How, how does how does it work? And he was like, well, listen, Matt Blake is the pitching coach in the Yankees. He's like, well, we provide Aaron Boone with all the information that we have, and he makes the decision. I'm not going to call him a liar. I'm just going to say that Aaron Boone is a 
how do I say this? What the computer spits out seems to be what he follows. There's no gut managing like Girardi had and, and still does. Uh, and it's just a shame, you know. He, listen, I I was not an Aaron Boone fan from the beginning, mostly because I didn't want the Yankees to get rid of Joe Girardi. I thought he was a perfect man for the job. But, well, we'll see where we're at. I do think the if the Yankees, Dom, like you said, miss the playoffs, Boone's out. Let's go Ryan in Bronxville. You're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, of course. Thanks for making it. I wanted to talk football Giants, but about the Field of Dreams game, I hope that they can choose maybe uh, Mets for San Francisco Giants because remember the doctor in the movie, I think he played for the New York Giants, right? Oh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but your guess would be as good as mine, but that's a good idea. I like it. Yeah. So uh, my, fo- my football Giants uh, call, um, you know, it seems like we're at a 20-year cycle here, and I'm really excited since um, – Coming into this season, it's, it reminds me of like when Parcells took over in '83, and then even when uh, the early Manny years. I'm really excited, and I don't want to get too hard on Gettleman because if the only the hardest I get on Gettleman was the Barkley pick. But if you look at the draft, I mean, there's two other players, Allen and Jackson, that I would have taken before him. And Jackson, you can't blame him for. And Allen, you know, you know, is performing. But so I'm well, really not getting so hard on Gettleman. I'm really thinking positive. Really excited about this season. You know, right. And, and thanks for your optimism there. And you know what? Uh, this is a point I made time and time again um, with with Dave Gettleman and the pairing of, more importantly, the pairing of Dave Gettleman with Joe Judge, the head coach. The decisions that they've made together has been, they've been really good. I mean, you look at the, uh, draft-wise, okay, there can be some criticism there. But what I'm saying is the free agent signings that the Giants have done over the course of the Judge and... Um, and Gettleman uh, era, Kenny Galladay. Did did the Giants fans? Did you not? Did you want Kenny Galladay? I think he was at the top of many fans across this country's list. And just you look at Adoree Jackson, uh, Blake Martinez. All these guys that they brought in have been. I mean, it's this it's Jabril Peppers. It's the, the the starters of the defense is was made through free agency and through Dave Gettleman and through Joe Judge. So. Yeah, if you're a Giants fan, you have to be feeling some optimism, but also some pressure, because I think the Giants need to make the playoffs. It's going to be playoffs up bust for that. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here in uh, the WFAN studios here in lower Manhattan. I'm having a great time. Connor's doing a great job. Uh, listen, um, I got a tweet that made me laugh on this commercial break, and it was from at Bubba. 11368. He said, You should bring your trumpet and play taps for the Yankees season as Aaron Boone doesn't know how to handle the bullpen. Well, that that's true. <laughs> um, I, but I responded with, Yes, it's a deal. I will bring my trumpet once either team, Mets or Yankees, are mathematically eliminated and I will play taps for you guys if you want. Maybe I should put that for a poll first. Um, but because you guys asked me about it, and because I like talking about it, I've got one final update on my Philly season before we get back to your calls, 877-337-6666. No, not those Phillies, but it's the softball team that I play on. You know, uh, we, I, I, by the way, I didn't pick the team name. We lost in the first round of the playoffs. It was cl- The game was close for a while, and just, you know, speaking of, bullpen stuff there was just no recovery for us after just one bad inning or a let's call it a familia inning uh, if you're a Met fan from last night you can commiserate with that anyway um as you guys know or maybe not I bought a new composite bat 
it ended up being such a worthy purchase. In that last game, I was two for three, two triples, three RBIs, two runs scored. But, you know, they all, they had me hitting cleanup for the first time ever, ever in my life. I guess there was a first time for everything, right? So thanks for riding along with me and with us this season. I hope to bring you guys more updates from my Phillies next summer. Maybe I'll play, maybe I won't, but we'll see. And you guys will be the first to know. All right, let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Ray in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan, Ray. Danielle, it's you. It's really you. It's me, and it's daytime. daytime. (laughs) It's daytime. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, this is great. I love it. Thank you, WFAN. You need to do this often. Have have Danielle on in the daytime, if if possible. If possible, of course, because you know, there's only so many hours in the day. But uh, earlier on the Mets, you made a pretty good point about Taiwan Walker. Yeah about him hitting a wall, and that's why he's been str- struggling lately. But I was thinking that it also was a, uh, he was losing some confidence, too. Yeah. Because, believe it or not, I, I really believe that he fed off of DeGrom and, his, and DeGrom's great performances. And DeGrom's not there to give any performances since he's on the I.L. Well, not technically on the I.L., but, you know, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I've never asked him about that. I mean, I guess I could the next time I'm there. But um, the, the thing is, with Tywin Walker, and you brought it up, I looked just just before on the break here. In 2018, he pitched. I think it. I read my handwriting. I think it's 13 innings pitched in 2018, one mm-hmm. in 2019, just one. And then in 2020, Whoa. I added him up 106, and now already in 2021, he's at 111. And we're only. Uh, it's August 14th. I think Taiwan Walker has hit a wall in his development mm-hmm. and his you know coming back from from the injury that he had. That's what I think. I mean, I, I don't know any information, but that's just my opinion. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, but yeah, but it's kind of sad to see. But um, if if we lose Degrom, the season's over. You know that, right, Bruce? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, if, if Degrom goes down and 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 the season is lost for the Mets, that's for sure. And, and not only that, I mean, it's just the the like you you alluded to it, the little emotional toll that it has on the rest of the team. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. But you know what? It shouldn't be like that because Zach Scott had the window of opportunity to make a move, and he did not. He didn't yeah. make a move. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Shore up your your starting rotation. You know mm-hmm. pitching is, is 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 critical for yes. success. Look at look at the Yankees. I mean, they put out Haney for the freaking field of field of dreams. Oh, I know. And he got rocked. Three home <laughs> runs. Come on. I know. Speaking of that, Danielle, did you get a chance to play any of the Field of Dreams uh, program in MLB the show? No, I have not yet. Is it only in the newest version? I don't have the newest version of the show yet. It's twenty one with Tatis on the cover. Yeah, I don't have that one. Oh, you gotta get it. I know. It's there's so much content, it's crazy. They I keep know. You busy I know. Forever. I know. I know. But um you're gonna be on next next week in the daytime also. Yeah, ten AM next week and next Saturday. Nice. <laughs> nice. I'm loving it. Thanks, Ray. Like McDonald's, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well I'll talk to you then. I appreciate All right, babe. the call. Have a good Thanks. day. Bye bye. And Chris in Pompton Plains, you're up next on the fan, Chris. Hey Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm good. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Hard Knocks show. Did you get a chance to take a look at it? You know, I I don't have HBO. I know, I know, I know. I don't have HBO. So, no, I I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Uh, Well, maybe, you know, after my call, some of the listeners can, can, you know, fill me in on some stuff. So, Uh I'm an older guy, um, you know, pushing 50. Um, First of all, I want to tell you that I I am by no means a prude. Uh, Most of my friends know me as too far par. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is not always appropriate. But So this is the first time that I've ever watched the show because I am a huge Cowboys fan. And I just got HBO Max, so the show came up, so I watched it. Yeah. And I got to tell you, 
throughout the entire show, all I'm hearing is F-bombs every two seconds from players and coaches. And then uh, John Fossil, I guess he's the special teams coach, is, is talking you know, to the whole team about the reversal of his vasectomy. And this Chris, is literally... This is too much. Like, this is too much. This is the whole show. I mean, now, again, I've never watched it before. Maybe this is what Hard Knocks is. But I just feel like, you know, I didn't watch any football. Yeah. And Chris, and thanks for the call there. That is that is a problem with uh, with some of those Hard Knocks shows. I, I can't say I've ever seen really any of them. I, I just... I didn't grow up with HBO, really, um, or I didn't watch it, really. I wasn't really interested. Uh, the, really, when I was turned off to the Hard Knocks show, is I was interviewing, um, his last name is Leonard. First name is escaping me. The running back from uh, from Rutgers. Sorry. But um, I was interviewing him about it. And Brian, Brian Leonard, that's what it was. I don't know how that just came to me. Brian Leonard. And he said, you know, he was on, he was featured on Hard Knocks with whatever team he was on. And he was like, yeah, Daniel, like I didn't even know I was in a running back battle, like for my job until I, I saw it on TV. And I'm like, well, I'll never watch Hard Knocks <laughs> because they just, it's just, it's reality TV with real football involved. I guess if you watch any of the other shows, like, you know, Housewives of New Jersey, it's all, I guess, kind of scripted. But um, yeah, I just, I, doesn't really do it for me. And and that show and that particular program on that I would not entice me to want to get that network. You know what I'm saying? So stick to sports. That's always my motto here, everybody. And Chris, thanks for the call. Let's go to Stuart in Brooklyn. You're up next on The Fan. Uh, good afternoon, Coach. Hey, good afternoon, strange, Stuart. It's strange talking to you in the afternoon, but it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Of course, Stuart. Danielle, the pleasure is all Danielle, mine. Danielle, uh, Aaron Boone, please, can we remove the headache at the end of the year, please? Enough already. I can't. I, I mean, we. I, what do I have to keep on saying? Every time we have a, they lose. It's just that I could take the press conference from April mm-hmm. and play it now. Press play. And like I keep. Yep. Yeah, of course. I'm like I keep on saying, what general manager in the history of sports <laughs> has a job for 23 years? I don't. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can name one other know. than Brian Cashman. I don't know that answer. Danielle. One championship, in, because we're not giving Brian Cash with 98, 99, 2000, because that was Stick Michael and Bob Watson. Well, Champ, Stick was Michael was still twenty. the 2009 team. I mean, Rivera, Jeter, Posada, I mean, really. Right. We could be up at Cashman was started in 98. I'm yeah. saying basically okay. Bob Watson and Stick Michael was 98, 99, 2000. Stick Michael was still there, but yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't part of the GM team, was he? I I was 10 years old. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. But you want to know something, Danielle? It's like this. He, he, I don't know what the, I don't know why this time, but it's keep him. I mean, he built the team the wrong way, number one. For right-handed batting lineup but with Yankee Stadium right field porch. Yeah. And you, build, you put some more left-handed hitters there. And Aaron Hicks is a, uh, an injury waiting to happen. <laughs> and Brett Gardner is how old? I don't know. And, uh, yeah. you know I mean, uh, Brett Gardner is like 37 and he's going on 38. And uh, they got Rizzo and Gallo. Rizzo was great until he got COVID. And Gallo hasn't hit this, has not hit his stride yet. And I'm saying to myself, what is going on? And the, the Tampa Bay Rays, 
uh, Tampa Bay Rays do it with a sixty to eighty million dollar payroll, and the Yankees do it with how much money? Uh, isn't it the second highest payroll in all of baseball, Stuart? Yeah, good point. And um, I have a cousin who lives near Tampa Bay, and he is a Tampa Bay Rays fan. I've talked about him before. He let he doesn't let me forget that ever. He rubs it in my face all the time, how the Rays are a better team with a fraction of the, the payroll. Brett Gardner's birthday is in 10 days, exactly 10 days, and he'll be 38. And my favorite graphic on the Yes Network has returned, you guys. In the overnight, you guys know this. My favorite graphic is when they show the, the outfielders, and they have like a green light, a red light, and a yellow light, when to run on these outfielders. They retired it for a little while until Joey Gallo came. And listen, Joey Gallo, he... I told you this when it when it happened. He is going to be streaky. It's I know it hasn't happened yet. Offensively, defensively though, he's he's pretty good. I mean, he's got he's got the the ability to when the ball is in his hands, runners freeze. And I know the feeling. When I when I go out for a cutoff as a shortstop, sometimes when I get the ball in my hand, once I make one good throw home, all the runners freeze. So in a way, it sort of kind of keeps runs off the board in a way, theoretically, right? But that out, outfield graphic when they've got uh, Brett Gardner and they put him up there, he's like, I don't know, out of 186 qualified outfielders he's got, I'm thinking off the top of my head, maybe like the 138th best arm out of all of them. And I'm like, and it's like run all day on Brett Gardner. All day on Brett Gardner. And meanwhile, it's like Joey Gallo's got, last the last time they put it up, the fourth best outfield arm in the league. And Judge and right field not far behind at, uh, it was like, I'm making his job. I, I mean, I'm ballparking. It was like 15 or 16 or maybe 18th best. I mean, the Yankees need a center fielder too. They went out and they got their left-handed bats. Cashman did say he wanted to get Gallo bef- you know, in the offseason. Maybe I believe him, maybe I don't. But finally, they have some left-handed power bats. And Anthony Rizzo, I told you guys when it happened, Anthony Rizzo was going to be the the best piece of the entire Yankees uh, trade trade deadline acquisitions. Joey Gallo, take him or leave him. But Anthony Rizzo was was the one. And Joey Gallo can't do it on his own. Can't wait for Anthony Rizzo to get back and help this team out. And uh, speaking of the trade deadlines, hey, Mets fans, are you guys having buyer's remorse yet on Javier Baez? You still think he's the right guy? You still think he's the missing piece? I want to hear from you. You. That's answered yes to any of those questions. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. Uh, Just so you guys know, the Yankee game directly following my show will be on our FM signal. So 1019, you'll find the Yankee game. The Giants will be on our AM signal. So 660 AM, you'll find the Giant game. Okay, so if you're on your way to MetLife Stadium, thank you for tuning in. Maybe you're on your way to City Field. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it, you guys. If you can't get through on the phones, it's uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. Uh, we just I just teased it. Is anybody out there shaking their head yes, seeing that Javier Byers is the guy? Because the Mets acting GM, Jack uh, Zach Scott, in my book, that guy is not winning an Oscar anytime soon. In fact, he committed general manager gross negligence at the expense of this Mets team Maybe their chances at a deep foray into the fall at the trade deadline. Uh, Scott, he pumped Mets fans up with two reasons for the acquisition of Javier Baez. A, they needed someone who hits left-handed pitching, he said. And B, he said they needed a shortstop until Francisco, 
That's fun to say. Francisco. Lindor came back from his strained oblique injury. Did you catch the movie reference there? Huh? Elf. Does anyone else out there think that Javier Baez was the right man for the job? I want to hear from you. Because how could you back Javier Baez? Listen, in the meantime, Friday was important for Lindor. I was there. I watched him as he took batting practice. He ran the bases. He fielded ground balls. He looked good. All leads to closer to a rehab assignment. He actually hit a home run to left field, and he hit the Mr. Peanut M&M on, on the wall in left field out there at City Field. I watched it. Looks good. But, you guys, the answer was there. It was Chris Bryant. The answer to the problem, the answer to the equation, everybody, here's the answer. It's Chris Bryant. So I just compiled some stats. I looked at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different uh, offensive metrics. And I graded Javier Baez and Chris Bryant on all ten of them. I looked at batting average, career versus left-handed pitching, right? Uh, well, let's look. Chris Bryant is, uh, let's see, I'm just trying to do mental math here, about 30 points higher. He, Chris Bryant's higher in slugging percentage. He's higher in on-base percentage. I mean, he's like almost 200 points higher in OPS. I mean, Chris, it's, how about the K rate, the strikeout rate? Javier Baez, 37.8%. Chris Bryant, 163 I mean, Chris Bryant, and I could tweet this out, and you could take a look if you're a visual person like I am. Chris Bryant was the answer. And not to mention the Javi Baez before he went on this IL. Batting 171. 171! I can hit better than that. Whereas Chris Bryant, and this did not include Friday night's game because I was at the stadium, the whole big thing, but it did not uh, account for Friday night's action, but Chris Bryant is batting 279, let's say, going into Friday's games. Javier Baez, 171. That's like 100 and something points higher. 108. And Baez out of commission since last Sunday. I mean, acting GM, Zach Scott, picked the wrong Chicago Cub. Why? Because Francisco Lindor told him to? Yikes. And, oh, the argument that the Mets needed a shortstop, it's so moot because the Mets have plenty of guys that could fill in on a rotating basis. As you've seen, take Jonathan VR hitting over 400 as a shortstop since Baez went out, including a two-run home run in the second game on Thursday. I mean, the Giants gave up their number seven and number 17 prospects. Why couldn't the Mets do that? They took the wrong Cub. Sorry to say. Let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Don in Dumont. You're on the fan. Hey, D. Good to hear your voice. Oh, like, thank uh, you. Saturday afternoon. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? You know, hanging into the best I can. You know, I'm going through some health issues right now, but, you know, I'm trying to fight through it, you know? You got but, it. You're strong. Um, you can do it. Exactly. I just wanted to... Touch uh, touch up a little bit on the Rizzo trade. I uh, I absolutely loved it. Yes. I think that was a solid move by then. Um, and I just want to get your opinion. I, I if you really think no offense to Luke Boyd or anything, this is actually really the first legit first baseman we had in a very long time since yes. Mark Sherry retired. If you think about it, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I personally think if the Yankees if the Yankees are smart, they they need to give this guy a contract. Um. Like He's, now, uh, like like right now. Exactly. Yes. I, you can't let this guy walk. Yep. There is no way. I mean, I, not, like I said, no offense to Boyd, but he isn't the answer. I mean, we got a tremendous upgrade at first base. I mean, when this guy comes back, I mean, look what he did in the first three games, you know, since we got him. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he got the COVID, but I think he's going to help this team in the long run. And, and like you said, right now, they need to 
talk about giving this guy a contract. There's no two ways about it. Yes. No two ways about it. Done. And, uh, Excellent point there. Sorry to cut you off there. But yes, Rizzo was the missing piece for the Yankees team. Unfortunately, he's out with COVID. Yes, I get it. He'll be back, though. But and, and the one thing that I loved about him was I was watching the game from home on TV, and Gary Sanchez did a snap throw down to first base. I had never really seen Gary Sanchez do a snap throw down to first base to try and pick off a runner. And I asked, I was there maybe a couple days later, I asked Kyle Higashioka, the backup catcher, I said, you know, whose idea was to do that Was to do that, that, that play? Because Rizzo came behind the base runner, kind of snuck up behind him and tried to pick him off at first um, when on a Sanchez throw. I said, whose idea was that? Guess whose? Rizzo's. So the guy is already elevating everybody else around him, not to mention that his swing, his left-handed swing, is literally built for Yankee Stadium and that short porch out there. Let's go to Victor in Montclair. You're up next on the fan. Victor. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Good. Yeah, I hope just for that previous caller with Rizzo, you know, I really feel bad for Luke Boyd. Um, but in a way, you know, bringing on these players, it almost makes, you know, Luke had a little bit of a blip on the radar. Uh, maybe he's, quote, unquote, trying harder. You know, it's making these guys maybe a little more responsible for the the, the honor and, and the prestige they have with being a New York Yankee. So um, that point given. I was wondering yeah. if you, at the Field of, at the field of Dreams game, mm-hmm. I was so psyched to watch it. It seemed like a really great um, MLB uh, thing for MLB. Yeah, awesome. But then the, the, first, <laughs> the first scene, I'm like, and I don't know if they talked about this on the fan, but I noticed it. There was a, there was a quote online, you know, but the center field camera, I, I don't understand. It, it was... It was blocking out, like you would see the, the pitcher was blocking out the left-hand batters and all the pitchers yes. that were going low and away. Yes. Now, what, who, with all the money that's around MLB and this big field again, who got that wrong? I mean, yeah. you can't see a left-handed batter in the batter's box? I mean, there's no MLB presentation on any network, on any part of the country, where the left-hand batter is blocked and you can't see the tail end of a pitch. Uh, so what's going on? Did you hear anything about that? You know what? No, Victor, and that's something, thank you for the call, that's something that I, I noticed too. But more so what I noticed was that it, it seemed a little too zoomed in, like you, like when Aaron Judge especially stepped into the right-handed batter's box, you couldn't see the top of his bat. Uh, yes, so that is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, yes, for sure. And I think you are not alone in in, uh, in noticing that. That's a good point to bring up. I don't know. I don't know who, what quality control guy didn't, you know, take that into consideration, why they couldn't move it over, put the camera maybe a little bit higher on a better angle. You know, we, we all play this show. We all play with the camera angles. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's a great point, though. Let's go to Greg in Rockville Center. You're up next on The Fan, Greg. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Daniel, let me put a little perspective on this whole Yankee thing here. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not a Mets fan. I don't have an axe to grind. But I get a kick out of the Yankee fans in a way – They've won once in the last 21 years. The, the la- caller before the last said about the prestige of the Yankees. Well, that, that left a long time ago. That's number one. And number two, they're all talking about Boone. Do you know, coming into the season, their left fielder was Clint Frazier. What body of work did he have? But we were to- told he had quick hands. What does that mean? And who said that? Well, that Your means that, well, well, first of all, Clint Frazier having quick hands, I, I coach myself, that means he can turn I, on, I on played, an inside I pitch. I played at yes. the college level. I so know, you know what quick hands means. Okay, so but then yeah, why no, you no, just no. ask that? <laughs> but, but he's never shown that he can hit. Never. 
and well, now you got a center field. But they've got. But they've, first of all, I, I'm going to defend Clint Frazier because that guy net was never given a fair shot at this 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 team. Because you know why? You can't put him in like a video game. We're just talking about the show. You can't put okay. him in a, a, this day that day. Okay. Make him the left fielder, and, and okay. six at bats later, he's yanked for in favor of Brett Gardner. I mean, come on! You okay. can't no, expect no. him to no, succeed. No. Hold on, hold on. I'll give you that. Give him a chance, but then don't start crowning the Yankees that they're going to win 95 games or more when their center fielder's lifetime batting average is under 240. That was Hicks. Their catcher's lifetime batting average is 236. Mm-hmm. They don't have a shortstop. Their shortstop is the second baseman. That's right. Luke Voigt comes over. His lifetime batting average is about 220, mm-hmm. and they're, they're crowning him. As a, I mean, they really didn't have a 95-win team I don't know. I, in. Listen, Greg, I've never said that on here. I have never no, no, said that. No, no, not this. you. Okay. No, not you. That's, that's, that's Vegas. And they do that because they know that people say, well, they're the Yankees. And they're going to go all the over. Right. I'm just trying to put it all in perspective. I don't blame, and I'm not a Boone fan. Believe me, I'm not a big Boone fan at all. But I can't blame him. I can't blame him. This team came in. I got news for you. I'm almost in awe that they still have a shot at the playoffs. He he should be considered as manager of the year. Oh, maybe. let's not I'm go not that saying, far. Craig, I'm not, come no, no, on. I'm not saying, wait a minute. Come on. I said considered. I said considered. No I didn't way. say win it. Yeah. Well, he's he's got him in, in, in place to win, to, to get into the playoffs, and he's got nothing. Well, the pro- See, the problem I have with Aaron Boone is this, is that he expects his pitchers to go five innings and he calls that a quality start, and then they load up with the bullpen, and it's Correct. like, I, that right. is something I cannot stand that he does, and he's done it okay. from the beginning. I can't stand it. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you on but that. That makes sense. I'm also with you, too, on on the fact that he is not the only person to blame. This is a, here. I used the word before, a collaborative effort. This is a collaborative Correct. effort, and that's why if they don't make the playoffs this season, if they don't make the postseason, they should clean house with this Yankees team. Although I do I, like I Matt Blake. I do like Matt Blake a uh-huh. lot. I 100% in agreement. The only thing I differ in is I think the Yankee fans expected too much from the team they came in with at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and they Greg, expected way too yes, much. You make fair points there. And yes, you got a bunch of guys that are playing out of position. I mean, think about Glaber Torres. Uh, case in point, Glaber Torres. He is a second baseman playing shortstop. He's done better, marginally. But yes, then you bring up Hicks. That guy, is he ever going to see the field again? Who knows? I don't know. Then you got Brett Gardner filling in there instead of giving these other guys chances. You know what I'm saying? How can you expect the team to get any better if you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? That's the question. That is the definition of insanity. This is a collaborative effort with the New York Yankees, everybody. And whatever the computer spits out, that's what they do. The most maddening thing to me is yanking a pitcher who was doing just fine. You saw it in the playoffs, in the postseason, when Masahiro Tanaka was doing just fine. Yanked, they lose. How's that sound? Let's go to uh, Eisen in Houston, Texas. Eisen, you're up next on the fan. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Hey, I have to say, I've never heard you before, but I really do like your show. Oh, thanks. I and, appreciate it. Uh, I think it. I'm going to start listening overnight. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the only thing I have to honestly say is I am so tired of Yankee fans. I'm a Yankee fan, born and raised in New Jersey, and I always say Yankee fans are the smartest. Yankee fans are this. Man, I- I'm so tired of Yankee fans. But, one, but you are one. I, I am, but they're not smart. Because what? Cashman, I have never seen a losing season with Cashman. Cashman rebuilt this team on the fly. Everybody wants to sign Rizzo today. Who traded for Rizzo? Rizzo, for I, listen, I, I, on the overnights, I did give credit where credit was due that Cashman did go out and get cre- uh, Rizzo, fifths. yes. They have four-fifths of their starting rotation, not pitching. Four-fifths during this win streak. Now, oh, well, he's, you know, the bullpen. Did you not want Brayton in the game yesterday? 17 straight days. No, Britain, I did not. Baseball. You heard it in the open. Okay. I wanted Loisga in that spot. 
Okay, but Loaiza has blown some too himself recently. Okay, but but he didn't. Uh, he, but he also didn't come out and say that he was pitching like expletive s word that like that Britain did last week. Okay, but seventeen straight days, people have to rest. This is the first day off in seventeen days. This team is well. That's baseball, is, is, though. Is, but that's every team. That's baseball. I, no, I understand that, but what I'm saying is when you're missing four fifths of your rotation during a seventeen day stretch. And you have to go with all these. They, the other day, they used 12 pitchers. Yeah, but when you look at I what mean, the Yankees could have done at the trade deadline, they came away with Andrew Heaney as the top option for, for a starting were you pitcher. Did they give up Jason Dominguez for Burroughs? Oh, oh, listen, I know you're new to this. Barrios did not want him. Barrios, I wanted no part of Barrios at okay. all. So that's what I'm saying. So my thing, I, and I get the frustration as a Yankee fan. I mean, we've won a lot, a lot of games. I've never seen a losing season as a Yankee fan. I just think that sometimes. People just don't want to realize in 98, 99, all those years we won, there was a little luck to it. There is a little luck to baseball. Whether people want to admit it or not, there was a little luck to that dynasty. No, Eisen, that's where I'm going to cut you there. You can't call a dynasty luck. You just can't. And where the point is, the perspective of Yankees fans is this. I'm looking at it right now. MLB team payroll tracker. You've got a team payroll with the, the second highest payroll in all of baseball at $203.9 million. And, they, and it's consistently up there every year. And they can't put together a World Series championship. You want to, listen, Cashman's done good things. He's done bad things. Let's point to the Aaron Hicks debacle. How about the Jacoby Ellsbury debacle? How about, oh, the, the three, uh, $30 million DH, John Carlos Standard is going to be clogging up the payroll and the bench for the next, what, six years. Those are some really big mistakes. Really big. And Andrew Heaney, I had a list of, I'm looking at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven other starter pitching. Starting pitching. Starter, I can't even talk. I got me all riled up here. I had eleven other options for the Yankees to have instead of Andrew Heaney. They didn't go for any of them. And no, you guys know that listen on the overnights. You know Barrios, I wanted nothing to do with Barrios with a 10-foot pole. And, uh, man, let's see. What do we got here? Oh, we got a Javier Baez versus Chris Bryan argument. All right, I- I'll take you up on that, everybody. 877-337-6666. Get back to your calls momentarily here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan in the daytime. I don't even know. Danielle in the daytime, everybody. Uh, it's been, Connor and I were just talking. It's been a real treat today. This has been awesome. But don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you guys till 630. If you're looking for the Yankee game, Directly following my show, it'll be on the FM signal here, 1019 FM. And then the Giants are going to be on the AM signal, 660 AM, as you guys know. Uh, we've got some heated debate here happening on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I got a tweet from a guy called Sparky Griswold. He says, you couldn't be more wrong for this team at this time. If Bryant came here, this is the Mets, by the way, if Bryant came here, he'd be our third, third baseman. Oh, I'm sorry. If Bryant came here, he'd be our third baseman. So JD is done. Okay. Chris is not playing the outfield and replacing Dom, Nimmo, or Conforto. Why not? Bryant is clearly a better player, but for this team now, it wasn't the right fit. I I completely and utterly disagree with you. The wrong fit for this team was a strikeout happy who strikes out 36% of the time he's up at the plate, Javier Baez. A second shortstop for what reason? Not needed. As I mentioned before, the Mets have plenty of guys that can rotate in and play shortstop for the time being. Chris Bryant was the perfect fit for this team. And I don't know if you know, Dom Smith isn't the best out there in left field. He's got a good bat, and that, which is another reason why I can't wait for the uh, 
collective bargaining agreement to say that, yes, the NL can have a designated hitter. I can't wait for that. And Mets fans, you can't wait for that. You better you better not be able to wait for that. But Chris Bryant is a much better fit on this team and a infinitely much better player than Javier Baez is at this moment in time. You can't argue that. And in the order that you guys call, let's go. Uh, John in Norwalk, you're up next on the oh. fan. Hey, Danielle. Hey. Yeah, that was actually I was going to say that Evan uh, Evan Roberts made that point that um, they play different positions, and I guess McNeil or Davis would have to sit if you bring Bryant in. But I agree with you. You got to bring in the, the better player, the better hitter, right? And, and, and um, which is Chris Bryant? Especially a team that is lacking in, in run production. I'm exactly. not even a Mets fan. Exactly. I do watch them. I watch the Mets and the Yankees. But um, I put on Field of Dreams uh, leading up to the, the game, and I got to be honest with you, I, I came out 88 or 89 when I saw it in the theater. As a matter of fact, I think I saw it in Los Angeles, of all places. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> it happened to be out there that week when it opened. And um, I thought it was kind of schmaltzy and pretty like mediocre then. And then I watched it on my fire stick this week, and I I think it's even more schmaltzy and mediocre. Really? To be honest with you, as a movie, wow. I thought the mother, I thought the, the wife is annoying, the kid is annoying, what? the brother-in-law is annoying. I didn't think the acting was believable. And I, for me, I think the best, the best sports movies, like to me, the best baseball movie by far, is Eight Men Out. It's based in reality. It's dark. It's edgy, and it's not like you know fireworks and happy endings. It's a true story about it. I'm not going to say tragic because no one died. But the other thing about um, Field of Dreams is that all these guys come out of the cornfields and they're all happy. Those guys, especially Joe, who was Joe, he died a broken, miserable, guy, bankrupt guy. And they all did. John, I, I, did, of, I didn't realize yeah. I was talking to a, a movie critic. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> about a baseball fan. And I do. And I also think that people have. Uh, People are crazy. I tell you, you know why Europeans laugh at us because we have no sense of culture. People actually think Rocky is a better movie than Raging Bull. All right, I mean, well, give me listen, a break. I am not a movie buff, there, John. I, I am not. I can't say I've seen Eight Men Out because, um, listen, I, I've got a lot going on. I've got a career during the week. This on the weekends, I don't have time to sit down for two hours and watch a movie. I haven't seen it. But on last weekend's overnight shift, we did compile a little list of of uh, films, baseball films that are worth watching and that was on the list it's on my list along with the the house of gucci book that i want to read because lady gaga is going to be in that movie uh in the fall i want to read the book i'm not gonna have time for it i started reading brian hoke's book which is uh, the bronx zoom i got about 100 pages in on vacation and that's pretty much as far as i'm probably going to get because it's just so much uh but the nostalgia factor of a field of dreams i mean come on at the end when he I don't, know, I don't want to spoil it, but it's been out for 30... If you haven't seen it in the past 30, 31 years, the end, he has a catch with his dad. I mean, come on. The nostalgia factor of that. But, and I don't want to get into this whole thing, I do love The Sandlot. I don't want to start arguing over, you know, the best baseball movie of all time. We did that last weekend, so you can go ahead on Twitter and you can join on on just on the, uh, the, the, t- the discussion there, on the threads there. But Aaron Judge is also a fan of The Sandlot, he told me. And by the way, Aaron Judge did give me a good scoop. He did. He was true to his word. He said that uh, Kevin Costner was going to be there, that he had some inside information. And it was true. So good for you. Thanks, Aaron Aaron Judge. I will see you probably next week. I'll be at the Yankee game uh, this upcoming week, I think. I hope. Let's go to James in Queens. You're up next on The Fan, James. Good afternoon, uh, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. 
love your love the you make analytics sound good to the uh build a dreams game, well, depending how you look at it, it had a happy ending to somebody. That was like the heartbreak of the Yankees all year. And about your other line of work, do you prefer a remote or the classroom? <laughs> James, thanks for the question there. Um, the short answer is I prefer all remote or all in the classroom. This hybrid stuff I can really do without. Never worked so hard in my life. Let's go to, and not me, the teachers everywhere. I understand. And I, and I commiserate with all of us, all of you and all of, you know, hybrid learning is just, I've never worked so hard in my life. Let's leave it at that. Let's go to Leonardo in Manhattan. You're up next on the fan. Leonardo. Ciao. I was the one singing to you in the elevator last night. Oh, Leonardo, you called. Okay. So Leonardo, you know, I thought so. Cause there's not uh, any other Leonardo's that call here. I thought it could have been you. Uh, last night I was at the Met game covering the game for the fan here. Yep. You saw the, all the stuff that I put out yep. there on, on, on social media and he yep. said he was going to, he looked at my badge and he started singing the WFAN theme song. And you're here, Leonardo. Ciao, ciao. Hey, I don't know what your religious beliefs are, but I'm pretty sure if there was an 11th commandment, I think it would be doubt shalt not strike out more than 95 times. Oh, in my a God. Season. Yes. I mean, and, when we right? were kids, right, Leonardo, when we were kids, we struck out. Well, you're, you're it was a kid, emb- but anyway. It was going. embarrassing. <laughs> Still, it was embarrassing to strike out. Am I wrong? You are not wrong, and 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 since you are, you know, you have, like you said, you do get some scoops, and I would, you know, if you can't say anything, I totally understand. But in your heart of hearts, do you think there's a big amount of regret in the Mets management that they got by as number one? That's the first part of the question, mm-hmm. and then secondly, is there any way that he's on this team next year? Because if he is. I got to start looking at the Yankees. I think he's a hothead and he strikes out way too much. So mm-hmm. if you can answer those two questions for me, I'll sing to you next time I see you. <laughs> All right, Leonardo. Thanks. I appreciate the call. And following up on that, he said he was going to call and he did. You're many your word. Uh, buyer's remorse on Baez from, you know, the, the front office. I can't really answer that. I mean, I don't know how to answer that. But if it were me, if I were in charge, if I were the GM, absolutely I would be feeling buyer's remorse. I mean, the guy's on the IL. He had, he's batting 171 before he got to the IL, you know, in the difference between the, the trade deadline acquisition and the time that he hit the IL. I mean, strikes out from since the trade deadline, he strikes out at, I'm going to round up, 38% of the time. You walk up to the plate and you strike out 38% of the time. I mean, how did anybody think they would give the okay that that was going to be a good idea on a on a Mets team that isn't built like that? They're not built like the Yankees. Yankees could absorb uh, a guy like that, like a like a Joey Gallo who strikes out a ton too. They can absorb that, and they have absorbed that. They were on a winning streak uh, after the acquisition. At one point, they were eight and one since the trade deadline. At one point, so uh, if I were in charge, I would absolutely be feeling buyer's remorse. And I can't remember the second part of that question. Ah, but um. I'm sorry, but I mean, Chris Bryant was the better play all the way around. I mean, honestly. And oh, and does he resign? I think that was the other. Do, do they resign him for next year? Oh, I, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, what are the redeeming qualities of a guy that's batting 171 who's hit two home runs? I mean, one of them was the walk off. I get it, but that's the name of the game, right? I mean, on base percentage is 216. I mean, I think Brett Gardner's batting average is higher than that. I mean, this is just ridiculous. 
So no, I hope uh, I hope they don't re-sign him. All right, we'll be back with more of your calls, 877-337-66. Got a nice crescendo here, everybody. Welcome back to Danielle in the Daytime here on The Fan in New York City. It is 4.03. I'm with you till 6.30. Leads right up to the Yankee game. Yankees, White Sox, Giants, Jets. And although, you know, and the Mets you can find on 8.80 too. So we've got it all covered here today. We've got a lot of sports going on. I have a poll up with two minutes left on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I ask, should I bring my trumpet to the studio to play taps when either the Mets or the Yankees become mathematically eliminated? You won't hurt my feelings, I promise. And, um, well, with two minutes to go, it looks like 74% of you guys said yes. So, um, okay, I guess I'm going to have to start um, building up my, my embouchure again, little muscles in my embouchure. I could do that for you guys, for sure. I can do that. And then I got a, had another poll uh, I was sitting in massive traffic. Uh, guess where? On the Cross Bronx Expressway, coming back from the Met game last night. And I and I, I was just, you know, looking around and stopped doing zero miles an hour. And there was a Tesla next to me, a white Tesla, spotless, beautiful, nice. The It struck me as funny because the license plate was, it said, only gas. And I was like, <gasps> quick, I took a picture of it real quick. I literally was doing zero miles an hour. Okay, police officers out there. And... I put a poll up and I said, was I stuck in traffic behind Robert Sala last night? I put it up this morning. Was I stuck in traffic behind Robert Sala last night? Because the license plate said only gas. And 65% of you guys said yes. And maybe I should have just uh, tapped on the window, the tinted window, and said, hey, Robert Sala. Hey, it's me. I'm on the fan. You want to come on the show? And then someone pointed out, I can't remember who it was. One of, the, one of my, my listeners said, it's, it's ironic, though, because in the photo, it says only gas, but the brakes are on. <laughs> And that's something I warned you guys. Not that I don't warn you, but listen, everybody's pumped up about Robert Sala. Great. Cool. You know, all gas, no brakes. Awesome. Great. Love it. Love the energy. A lot of players love the energy. I must warn you, though. I said it at the time when he was hired. Even NASCARs. You guys know NASCARs, right? Even NASCARs have brakes. So let's just, you know, be a little careful. Be a little cautiously optimistic if you're a Jet fan. Let's just put it that way. Back to the calls, 877-337-6666. Mitch in East Windsor, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, you Danielle? Thanks for taking my call. Of course, Mitch. Thanks for hanging on. Yeah. I got one uh, solution for the Yankees. I bet you next year, because the Dodgers had signed uh, Trevor Bauer, and hopefully he never plays for them or any other team. Ever again, yes. I think Corey Seager will walk right into the, to the arms, and that would be a problem. As long as he's healthy, that'd be a pretty good deal. And they brought in Turner, who is a shortstop as well. So that is really interesting that, that all of that might come together. Mitch, great point. All of that might come together in, in sending Corey Seager off and not re-signing him. So let me look at the contract here. It looks like, let's see, contract details of Corey Seager. By the way, he's a left-handed batter, just so you everybody's clear. Uh, of course, my computer's not loading. I did buy a new one. Um, so... He's an unrestricted free agent at the conclusion of this season. Market value seems to be around, what is it, $29.5 million annually is what SpotTrack, I love this website, SpotTrack is saying. Well, then you have to then, if you're Brian Cashman, go to Hal Steinbrenner and say, this is the guy that is worth exceeding the luxury, the next luxury cap threshold. 
This is the guy that's going to put us over the edge. And don't forget, I'm asking, you know, Hal Steinbrenner, Santa Claus, I'm asking him for Anthony Rizzo too, both of whom are going to be free, unrestricted free agents at the beginning of, of the year. I don't know if, I don't, I mean, he's a great fit. You're right. He's an excellent fit for this Yankee team. However, I think the Yankees are very, just signing DJ LeMahieu to that long-term contract, I think the Yankees are very reluctant to deal Glaber Torres because he has, he has so many more years of control left on his contract. I think they're really, really trying to make it work for him at shortstop. But Corey Seager's a great player. Great player. Would fit right in. You're right. So that will be a discussion. It, it's it's on the radar, everybody, right? And but that's going to be a discussion farther down the line. I think uh, if the Yankees fail to qualify for the um, for the postseason, if the Yankees, you know, get bounced in the first round, or you know, whatever, that'll be a, a much better, more insightful conversation at that juncture. But hey, Corey Seager on the radar. I'm not opposed to it. Let's go to Steve in Oldbridge. You're up next on the fan, Steve. Hey, Danielle, how are you doing today? Good, how are you, Steve? Um, well, it's good to hear you in the afternoon, oh, so I don't thanks. have to stay up late on the weekend. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I agree, thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I was listening earlier, and you were talking about the uh, the Bryant and the Baez argument. Mm-hmm. Well, I honestly think the only reason the Mets went for Javi Baez is because he's Lindor's buddy. Yes. And they're going to want to appease him and make him as happy as possible. Yes. And they have envisioned this up-the-middle thing once Lindor comes back, and they're going to slide McNeil over to third, and J.D. Davis is going to be a bench bat. In my opinion, it sounds good, but you're 1,000% right. Bryant is the better player. But I truly believe everybody was holding the Mets hostage uh, you know, at the trade deadline, and the Cubs were willing to part ways with Baez because I think he was damaged goods, he was injured, he was on the struggling side, like you mentioned, hitting in the 170s, and we only had a part with Crow Armstrong, even though he's one of our top guys last year, a top draft pick. I feel like Bryant would have, they would have hosed the Mets. The Giants, um, you know, I'm sorry, the Cubs hosed, would have hosed the Mets. They would have wanted Major League Talent, our top guys, and I feel like the only reason we didn't go that route is because I know Cohen really wants to hold on to his main Right. Young pieces. Right. Which he has said, but when you look at ultimately what, what the Giants settled for, it wasn't anything, you know, I don't want to say special, but it, but it wasn't anything significant, at least for this year. Agreed. I, and, and that's my thing. I really think everyone's kind of holding the Mets because they know where we stand. They know Lindor's out. They know DeGrom's out. I know Sandy Alderson's like, you know, he's been around forever. But I think everybody looked at the Mets as desperate to try to improve. And everybody wanted to take our best pieces, our major league pieces, Smith, McNeil. They wanted Mauricio. They wanted Alvarez. Mm-hmm. They wanted more from us, almost as like as a, like a big, like a expletive you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. they just didn't, they didn't want to give the Mets anything because they knew what we needed. And I feel like they really were going to hold us hostage. And I, 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 I do agree that the bias move was, you know, kind of buy low, possibly get a big return yeah, if he work. gets hot. But you're getting two months of the guy who is not really doing well. I mean, how many home runs is Baez really hitting his career in a season? I think he's, you know, I think his high is like in the mid-30s, and he's already hit 24. What could he really give you in two months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
I, and I really believe that Lindor was going to be, that's the reason. And I mean, and that's my argument that Lindor is their big, their big money guy. They invested everything in him. And I think, I don't really think he likes Jeff McNeil. Well, that's, that's evidently clear. Yes. You know, and I really think that he wanted his buddy there and they, they wanted to make Lindor happy. Mm -hmm. And that's my thing there. And, uh, it's always good to talk to you. And, um, when are you on next? Are you, are you, are you working more days or are you going to do overnight still? Next shift I have is uh, 10 a.m. next Saturday. Oh, awesome. (laughs) So you're covering for Evan. But anyway, I would love to hear your feedback and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to listen the rest of the show and it's always a pleasure. Have a good rest of your weekend. Thanks, Steve. You too. Um, yeah, I mean, the the pro that doesn't everybody see the problem here trying to appease a guy that wants his friend to play on the team. I mean, I, I dealt with that as a coach. I mean, there was a there was a coach that was hired as an assistant coach. I didn't even know there was a coach that was hired as an assistant coach, and he was the dad of an incoming freshman. I mean, talk about conflict of interest. I mean, who's running the ship here? In other words, you know, that's what I think about the Mets. Who's running the ship? And the one thing I would caution tell as a cautionary tale is don't fall in love with the prospects. Because didn't everybody just see it with the Yankees, with Clint Frazier, with Miguel and Duhar? I mean, those guys still are in the Yankee system. They never got anything for them. And now they're kind of sort of damaged goods. So not saying any of these Alvarez, Mauricio, any of these guys, but I'm just saying it's a cautionary tale of not to fall in love with prospects. And so I... I I would like to ask, you know, at the end of, at the end of the season, I'm going to see if I can ask how, what was, were you in on, and what was the asking price for Chris Bryant at the time of the trade deadline? I would like to know that. I would like to know the answer to that. Let's go to Gary in Jersey. Gary, what part of New Jersey? I'm in. Um, I'm in Monroe. Okay, Monroe. What do you got for me today? Today, I should say. Um, I want to talk about the Yankees, and I'm talking about. A, a, a really talented team that Cashman keeps giving Boone, mm-hmm. and he's not pushing the right buttons this year. And I watched the I watched the Boston series. They should have had three out of four of those games. And some of the moves that he makes, like with Herman pulling him out, yeah. like it, it, it's hurting this team. And let me, for instance, you put on Duhar in the outfield. It, the guy's not an outfielder, and you have Stanton, the agent. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the moves he's doing is just ridiculous. Like, I, I watch Billy Martin. I, I'm, 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 I'm a Yankee fan since 1967, and I watch a lot of these good managers that had less talent and maneuvered his team so much better. Then this guy has so much talent, and I, I just can't see it. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing I did want to talk about uh, at the stadium when I go there next, if I can – I wanted to kind of grab Giancarlo Stanton and ask him what the buildup was. Like, what is this buildup to play the outfield? I mean, I just played on my women's team. I told you guys last week, and this girl on my team never played the outfield before. They stuck her in center field. She did just fine. I mean, come on. I think he wants to play the outfield. I think, I think he does, too. manager move. Yes, I think you're I, right. I just think it's – and then Duhar, he has no business in the outfield. You can see him when he's playing. He's a good player, but not an outfielder. And you have you yes. have this guy who I know wants to play, and I think he'll play better if he plays every day mm-hmm. in the outfield. I think he'll be so much more like he was on Miami. Yeah, that if you let him play every day, this 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 guy, he's so talented. Yeah, I just can't understand this. Yeah, Gary, point well taken. The one thing I will say is is it does depend on the player, you know, 
individually. So like, I'll give an example. I gave this on the overnight about three weeks ago. I was a freshman. It was like literally game number one on varsity. And I was the DH. They made me the DH, I guess, just to get my nerves, you know, calm my nerves or whatever. But I did really well. I hit really well as the DH and just, I mean, I always fielded, but I always wanted to, you know, think about, wow, like if I were just a DH, what could I have done? You know what I mean? And some players on my team, I, I've seen some players who end up playing every day, you know, get all the reps, all that. Those players pl- hit better when they're in the field all the time. So it's just a case-by-case basis. I do think that John Carlos Stanton is one of those guys that once he, when he plays regular reps in the field defensively, he tends to play better. I don't have any stats to back that up. It's just a gut feeling. <laughs> We're talking about stats and, and gut feeling and managers. Well, that's my gut feeling. So the buildup, I found my notes from uh, before from June 20th. And on June 20th, that, that the show I had on June 20th, they had said that they were building him up for the end of the month in July to play in the Miami series. Well, a whole month of buildup. I would love to know. I would love to ask. If I can, I will what that buildup entailed. And, you know, obviously he's going to say he wants to play the outfield. He does fine in the outfield. So put him out there. And it gives the Yankees much more flexibility in terms of utilizing and rotating that DH position. Let's get one more. We can get one more in. Let's go Anthony in the Bronx. You're up next on the fan. Hi, good afternoon, Danielle. And thank you for taking my call. Of course, thanks for making it. I think you're doing a wonderful job filling up the afternoon. Uh, Thanks. Um, the nature of my call is, um, and I thought it was, you know, it was a beautiful game, the the Field of Dreams game, but in my opinion, as far as traditions and sports, is the greatest traditions in any sport, of course, they all come from hockey. I mean, I don't know how old you are or if you remember. I mean, probably not even up until the 90s. You had basketball, baseball, and football would always do their celebrations in the locker rooms. And hockey was always done on the ice with the fans yes. right there, ringside, able to touch the cup, the play, escape by, you know. And then the outdoor games, and like I said, you know, baseball's done a beautiful job, but hockey never gets the respect. And I think they they have the greatest traditions, in my opinion. I mean, they may have they may have a trophy for like every like <laughs> for like every statistical player. But, and you get a trophy. All, and you get a trophy. Yeah, I mean, but they're all beautiful trophies, and you know, and. And, you know, I mean, but what's next now? Football's going to probably, the NFL's going to play inside a prison. You know, you're going to have all these, I mean, I like it. I think it's great. But my opinion, again, hockey has always done it right and has the greatest tradition. Thank you. Yeah, well, Anthony, that that is one thing I do enjoy when the players come out at the end of a hockey game and they they put their sticks in the air, thanking the fans. I think fans obviously are, are what makes this go, isn't it? And maybe you're on your way to MetLife Stadium right now, speaking of. Ready to fill MetLife Stadium wearing your your Giants blue or, or your Jets green, your number two jerseys, your number eight jerseys. It's an exciting time for football here in the city. And really, technically, my home state of New Jersey. Let's just put that out there. I, I would love to hear them called the New Jersey Jets or the, the New Jersey Giants. I think it's got a good alliteration to it. I'm a fan of alliteration. And uh, how about this? Michael Conforto. Why has he been slumping so hard this season? Well, I did a deep dive, and I might have an answer for him and for Mets fans everywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan in the in the midday. Uh, technically, it's not midday. Danielle in the daytime. 
It's been a fun time, everybody. I'm taking you all the way up till 6.30. We got the Yankees White Sox on the FM feed, Giants, Jets on the AM And you guys have been great on the calls. 877-337-6666. Teased this right before the break. Uh, I did some homework on Michael Conforto. He's batting 215 on the season. And I mean, not great, right? And, but especially for a guy who's looking for a, a big free agent contract, right? So I did a deep dive. Some of the best stuff I come up with starts with, I did a deep dive. Because I actually, I think Michael Conforto can be an extremely effective player. And because of that, I want him to succeed here in New York, not elsewhere. So I believe, I looked at him as if he was a player on my own team. I looked at a lot of the numbers and I said, okay, here's my conclusion. Conforto's struggles at the plate are a compound, meaning like more than one, mental breakdown. Here are some of my observations. Last week, I mentioned how we talked about how uh, Conforto is seeing the least amount of 3-0 and 3-1 counts in his entire career. That tells me that there might be some anxiety at the plate, jumping at pitches earlier in the count rather than letting the pitcher come to you. The pitcher is clearly dictating the at-bat when Conforto's in the box based on those numbers. I mean, two, his strikeout looking percentage is the highest in his career at an alarming clip. Yet, he's swinging at pitchers that are in the strike zone on par with his career averages. So, the second part is stable, but what does the first part tell you? Well, it tells me that in addition to the little bit of anxiety, he's not seeing the ball from the release point astutely enough. I feel that Conforto is unable to decipher what's coming at him early enough and effectively enough. And all of that, of course, is compounded with the pressing about needing to get a hit. But to me, it's that compound mindset mentality breakdown thing for him. And you never know who's listening to this show because really, the last since the last time we talked on Sunday, his batting average has jumped 14 points overall from 201 to 215. Since the last time we talked on Sunday, Conforto's hitting 429 since last Sunday. And did you notice what generally happens when he's working pitchers into deeper counts? I was watching this week, for example, Thursday, seven pitch at bat. It was a, a 3-2 count. He had a foul ball on pitch number six, ended with a double. Conversely, I think in that same game, there was a three pitch at bat. It was a 1-1 count, resulted in a line out. All I'm saying is I might have figured it out. I don't know. Just something to watch. 877-337-6666 is the number, everybody. Kevin and Camden. You're up on the fan, Kevin. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. You? I'm great. This is this is. I like this. About the, well, I'm sorry, sorry. No, I said I'm liking this. I do too. This is different for me. So I mean, <laughs> hey, me too. Daniel on the daytime got a good ring to it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, got to talk about you. got to talk about the match though. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, there's a few things. Last night, Smith, Conforto, McNeil should have started. That was one. I had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Two. Familiar, I can't watch the guy pitch. I mean, every time every time he pitches, I just can't watch. It's, well, it's yeah, me neither. It's bad. It's bad. And then I, I got to say this: if there was any other reason to have the DH in the NL, the Grom got hurt initially on, on swinging, swinging the, bat. the bat. I know, and then I mean, and then the Taiwan way, Walker was afraid to swing the bat too. He he batted from the other side of the plate. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yes. And and uh, I mean. And I don't think he's going to come back. I'm sorry. I, I don't think you so said either. it before. I don't think he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And my last point, the Mets, and I, initially I said no to this, but that was before I found out that he was going to be out for a, a little while longer. I think the Mets should get Jack Arrieta. I think, you know, the depth, you need it. Because Trevor, I'm sorry, I still am not sold on Williams. You need Jake Arrieta. To, I, know, I know he's not the Jake Arrieta that, you know, I know he's not that great. But right now, he can help this team right now. And I think the Mets need all the help they can get at this point. Let's be honest. Mm. All right, Kevin, let's let's take the two points here. Uh, you're, Jerry's familiar. Yeah, I'm done with him in high leverage situations. That's for sure. I'm like so done watching that. I mean, on Thursday. It, it's not talked so much because the Mets end up winning the, the, the game, but he imploded. Two wild pitches in the seventh. I mean, one of those runners ended up scoring, tying the game. I mean, if you're versing the Nationals, if you're playing against the Nationals, you can get away with it. But if you if you try to pull that against the Dodgers, it's it's not going to work, you know? So it's sort of familiar what they need to do. They need to just get him some low-leverage situation reps, build the back some confidence because, I mean, if the Mets are going to make a run, they need Jerry's familiar. So that's my recommendation, manager, Luis Rojas. Low-leverage situations. He is, uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And as far as Arietta, Kevin, I'm going to disagree with you. Arietta. I mean, listen, I, I'm all for taking a flyer. On a pitcher, I recommend I recommended Taiwan Walker this offseason, who ended up being an All Star, but I think has hit a wall in terms of innings limits over the past four seasons or three, four. I recommended Corey Kluber, definitely for the Yankees. I was all in. You guys know, you listen, you know. I was okay with Tyone. He ended up being really good for the Yankees, right? But but Jake Arrieta for the Yankees or for the Mets is just going to be an no from me, like like Randy Jackson on American Idol. It's just going to be a no from me, dog. Listen, I looked at it because I, I, that was something that I that was on my radar earlier in the week. When you, you look at uh, Jake Arrieta, his ERA has been incrementally going up from 30 days ago. And it was 30 days ago, it started at 6.88 ERA. The last seven games, it's ballooned to 11.57 ERA. Now you might say, yeah, well, you know, Daniel, come on. The Cubs have tanked since the deadline. They traded away Brian and Baez and uh, Rizzo. Okay, I get it. Yeah, fair point. So there's this stat that's called fielding independent pitching, FIP, for the cool cats, right? It's it's really just an isolated stat for a pitcher. I mean, what it does, it takes into, without the defense, it basically takes out the defense behind the pitcher, and it focuses on their ability to prevent home runs, walks, you know, all the bad outcomes while striking batters out. The team behind the pitcher does not matter in this situation. And so when I looked at that for Jake Arrieta, his score is a 6.12. And what does that what does that mean? Well, during his three Cy Young seasons, his average was a 2.72. And I thought of the song of Toby Keith. I ain't as good as I once was. Right? That that's Jake Arrieta. He ain't as good as he once was. It's done. It's a wrap on him. Not to mention the fact that he is in the bottom percentiles for as poor. Statcast says poor in literally all but one of the fifteen categories that they track in this percent in this in this manner. Strikeout percentage, chase rate, whiff rate. He's in the bottom of all of them. And those are all important things for a starting pitcher. No. A guy that has in his twelve and MLB seasons. Jake Arrieta, sorry, has lost it. It's it. It's time to hang him up. So, no, I'm all for taking a flyer, like I said, but Jake Arrieta for the Mets or for the Yankees, I am out. Out on him. 
Let's go. Mark in Jackson Heights. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? What's up, Mark? Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a jazz musician. I teach at Juilliard. Yeah, cool. And I'm a saxophone player. Yeah. And uh, I got COVID almost a year and a half ago, and I almost died. And uh, But I'm feeling great now. And one of the things that helped me get out of it was I started playing after I got out of the hospital. And, uh, you know, I started playing the piano and the cornet when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And when I heard you say that you played the trumpet, I just had to call you. (laughs) Well, thanks for that. And I'm glad you're doing better. Yes. Yeah, I played the trumpet. Listen, I started with the trumpet in fourth grade because I picked it because, not that I ever take the easy way out, but I just was intrigued by the three buttons. That's My first choice was the trombone, but I didn't get that. Kind of glad uh, I didn't get that. That only has one moving part. Yeah, so I know. Had, <laughs> I know. So then, <laughs> then I went to the trumpet. It has three moving parts and some slides. But, um, yeah, I ended up being really good at it. I mean, I was first chair from the day I picked it up to the day I graduated high school. First chair. Challenged in everything. Well, you got to want to keep playing. So here's a funny story for you as a coach and an artist. Uh, you'll love this. So when I was growing up in Ohio, my dad's master plan was, he had a coronet and a pair of roller skates. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to play the coronet, my brother had to had to roller skate. And? Or vice versa. <laughs> so I have these strange memories of learning how to play early on while my brother was roller skating around me. I like it. It's like a, like a circus almost. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you know, when I got out of the hospital, I bought a pocket trumpet um, on eBay. Yeah. And I started playing it out my window in Jackson Heights here and? at 7 o'clock. And? And I'm getting better and better. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I was with Sinatra, and I can play great, but I just never really got my chops together on the trumpet or the cornet. But, you know, uh, the other thing that kind of funny that happened, I was playing one day at 7 o'clock, and the UPS drivers were doing a kick line to New York, New York. <laughs> That's awesome. It got to be a whole scene, and I looked down, Daniel, and you'll never guess who was below my window. I don't know. Who? The Naked Cowboy. Oh, my God. Did he bring his guitar? Does he even play yeah. the guitar? Does he even play it, or is it just a prop? Who knows? <laughs> he brought his guitar. So, And, you know, you, you all can figure this out, but all of his stuff dried up on Times Square yes. during the height of the pandemic, yeah. so he was looking for an audience. Well, he found one in you. That's an awesome story there, Mark. Thanks for the call. Thanks for making it. I want to encourage you to keep playing, and I'm sure you figured this out, but, you know, when you're driving around or something, wherever, keep your mouthpiece with you, and you can get your chops together just playing your mouthpiece. Mm, Good idea. I like that. And I'll tell you you. who else does this. Bill Clinton. Plays a trumpet? Bill Clinton always has a a tenor saxophone mouthpiece in his pocket. Oh, okay. I got it. Cool. Thank you for that. And so that's a way that you can keep your chops up while yeah. you're traveling or different things. Like I thought the story you were going to tell was you were on the car, you're in the car in the BQE, and you were <laughs> buzzing your mouthpiece while you're driving. No, that would but be a great thing to do. Next time I will be, Mark, and thanks for the call. That's a great suggestion. I, I will definitely take you up on that. Let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Carol, where in New Jersey are you from? Hey, hey there, Danielle. I live in West New York. Um, oh, okay, great. You know, Mark was so sweet because I'm a singer and a musician too, so I appreciated his phone call. Oh, there we but, go. You Me know, too. Oh yeah. Um, 
My father was a Mets fan, and I was a Yankees fan, so I used to go and see both teams when yes. I was growing up. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, you can have the greatest hitters in the world, but if you don't have the pitching, I'm very concerned about the pitching on both teams. Yeah, and, and, and Carol, that, that is an absolutely valid concern. I mean, the Mets did nothing to address their pitching staff at the trade deadline. You look at, and they knew Jagram was going to. It was injured, and they knew the extent of the injury. Great point, because that's. Wait, we'll take the Yankees in a second. They knew about Degrom. They didn't bolster the rotation really at all. They got Trevor Williams pitched well, but in my notes, I wrote no. I don't think so. Is what I wrote in my notes from the trade deadline. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong again. Um, I like being wrong in those situations. Then Syndergaard, what is he going to be when he comes back? Carlos Carrasco, let's see. Let's see. I think this is, what, his second game back? Let, let's see what he's like later tonight. I think he's pitching tonight. But there's a lot of question marks surrounding this Mets starting rotation now with Jacob DeGrom. I don't think he's coming back this season. I really don't. I mean, if this is like delaying the inevitable. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. At what point do you say, all right, you know what, let's just pack it in, right? And then for the Yankees, I mean, you think about their postseason runs. Where do they all fall short? Well, mostly... I think, in the pitching. But more importantly, it's the Aroldis Chapman, that stupid smile, giving up the home run, you know, to end mo- mo- those games in the postseason. One to Jose Altuve. I'll never, every time I close my eyes and I have a nightmare, that's what I see in my mind is that stupid smile from Jose, uh, from uh, Aroldis Chapman. But when you've got a system in place in your organization that says, meh, 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 mayday, mayday, take the pitcher out in the fifth inning no matter what they're doing, that herein lies the problem. You overtax the bullpen. You run into situations like the Field of Dreams where you've got Zach Britton trying to close out a game instead of a guy like Jonathan Nowizaga. Run into injury situations. And you know what? Let the pitchers go deep into games. Let them take the Garrett Cole route. Let them deal with a little bit of adversity. You've got a, heaven knows, you got an offense that, that can withstand that and sustain that. So, yes, pitching on both of these teams is a major. Concern for me. And if you're a Yankee fan, there is also another concern um, on your radar. Or And if it's not yet, I will put it on your radar. N- not looking good for Yankee fans out there. I'll, I'll fill you in coming up right after the break. Move along. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime. I always want to say McCartan after midnight, but this has been fun during the daytime here. On the fan in New York City, Connor Green behind the glass, taking your calls. DJ Connor Green on the ones and twos. <laughs> this song brings me back to, uh, I guess, middle school, high school. I don't even know. Well, um, I've got some bad news if you're a Yankee fan. No, it has nothing to do with your team. Don't panic. But I'm on uh, MLB.com game day, uh, you know, a little thing that looks like the video game, you know. And uh, Chris Sale or Chris Sale, as it is in Italian, Chris Salt, that is. He um, he looks like vintage Chris Sale, everybody. He's pitched two full innings, and he's allowed one hit, struck out three batters with some nasty, nasty stuff. I'm seeing it on Twitter. 34 pitches, 21 of them are strikes. So Chris Sale has rebounded in a big way for the Boston Red Sox. And that spells trouble for the Yankees because you remember, Chris, he's making his first start since he just left the 60-day IL. 60 days. The guy last pitched, you ready for this? August 13th, 2019. 
almost exactly two years ago was the last time he pitched in a game. Tommy John surgery, blah, 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 rehab, this, that. It's a little bit scary what he looks like on the mound. I believe they're in Boston, uh, is my guess. Listen, and I know they're playing the Orioles. I get it. Yeah, they're in Boston. They're playing the Orioles. Okay, that's a nice little cushy start for him to come back from the 60-day IL after not pitching for two years. It's just, though, it's just something to have on your radar if you're a Yankee fan, especially with the Red Sox coming into town this upcoming week. It's not great news. Not great. But if you're a Met fan, maybe you're like, hey, well, maybe my pitchers are going to be just as good coming back from extended injuries, i.e. Um, Noah Syndergaard, right? And if you're maybe a Yankee fan, Severino, maybe he's going to look as good. Who knows? We'll see. But Chris Sale is doing his thing up in Boston. Yikes. Let's go back to the phone calls, everybody. 877-337-6666. Mike in West Palm Beach, you're up next on The Fan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Not buongiorno. How do you say good afternoon? Uh, buon pomeriggio. See, <laughs> I, I, I was laughing. You know, I, I just took a nap. My sleep cycle's off, whatever, uh, watching ESPN. Uh, I got I to say this. I love my music. That gentleman that called before about playing the sax and jazz. There's a station down here, uh, uh, jazz, blues, big band orchestra. I was a drummer back in the day. And look at you, Danielle, playing the trumpet, and then before too long, first chair. Yeah, that's uh, you know that, that that's great stuff. Here's a story I could go on. You know, longtime Met fan, and, and da da da. Here's a quick story. Um, I don't tell tall tales. Uh, 1968, we're in Yankee Stadium, uh, Grammar School uh, Band, St. Agnes. Um, uh, we play two songs. We play the second song. We finish. Now I'm doing the um, you know the, the march uh, beat. Bump, but it a bump. I'm touching the monuments. Mickey Mantle is shagging fly balls. 1968, twin games of, of the Tigers are in town. Okay? He's shagging uh, some balls. A ball gets by him. He goes, uh, uh, how about a drum roll, kid? He's looking at me. I'm shaking. I start <laughs> to drop my left drumstick. I yeah. catch it. I catch it. <laughs> I snap off a drum roll. Uh, Thanks, kid. My hands are shaking. Bomb. Bomb. My, my brother, I got two younger brothers, Daniel. Rob. I Facebooked him today. He played the saxophone. He's in Germany. He's trying to tune in today. Um, my brother Rob uh, worked Wall Street many years ago. Takes me to lunch at Mickey Mantle's, and the Mick was there, and he remembered that. Um, that you know, that was pretty cool for me. Um, uh, and I love my music. I love my sports. And I'll tell you what, Danielle. Um, uh, I thought I wouldn't get through today because hey, you got a you got a faithful following. That doesn't surprise me. Um, uh, uh, I'll leave you with this. My brother Rob is a longtime Giant fan. Me, I'm, you know me, Danielle. Uh, green and white Jets, Hofstra. Uh, the game is on tonight. Um, I hope the kid steps out and see, see what he's got. And I, I hope, uh, I'm sure they will, Danielle. Uh, uh, say a silent prayer. Uh, my heart went out when the, when the um, uh, would have been the new offensive uh, coach for the Jets, died on his bicycle. You know, uh, I hope they have a moment uh, and a prayer for him. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, uh, Danielle, it doesn't surprise me, you know, that, that you're on the daytime and you're going places. And uh, I'm watching the LPG, LPGA golf right now, and I'm sure you'll be playing golf with Ann Ligori because, you know what, um, you got it going on and you still got mojo, Danielle. What can I say? You still got mojo. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. And, yes, that's a good point. That's it. Hopefully that they – I'm not going to the stadium tonight – but um, if any of you guys are, let me know if they do do a uh, 
little tribute to to him because that would be a really good, really good, really thoughtful. And, and by the way, you guys, um, if you're looking for the Yankee game, it's going to be at the c- conclusion of my show. It's going to be on the uh, FM signal, 101.9 FM. Giants game is going to be solely, only solely on the 660 AM. And with that, we do have a Yankee lineup uh, that has just been posted. Yankees tweeted South Side Saturday night matchup. Okay, here we go. Batting first. <laughs> I feel like I'm the coach here. Batting first, we got DJ LeMahieu playing second base. Batting second, I can't believe this, playing center field, Brett Gardner. Uh, batting third, Judge, I like that. Gallo in the four hole, I'm not a, a fan of that. And you got, what, five? Stanton, DH. I would almost switch them. I would put Stanton four, Gallo five, but here it is. Uh, six, Voight, first base. Seven, Odor, third base. Batting eighth, Higashioka catching, obviously. And uh, Tyler Wade's getting the start at shortstop, batting ninth. Looking at this, not a fan of Brett Garner being in, in the two-hole. Very honest with you. It's just, I mean, come on already. I, I almost I almost like Tyler Wade there, honestly, because he at least could put the ball down and bunt and get on and, and be a little bit of a threat on the base path. Just something for the pitcher to think about while Judge and Gallo and Stanton get up to the plate. So, and, and potentially to be a base runner because – Brett Gardner just doesn't do it for me, you guys. LeMahieu, here, here's what I would do. Wade 1, LeMahieu 2, Judge 3, Stanton 4, Gallo 5. That's how I would stack it up. But, hey, I'm not the manager of the Yankees. The numbers, the computers spit this one out today. This is what they're going to roll with. Again, LeMahieu, Gardner, Judge, Gallo, 4, 5, Stanton, 6, Voigt, batting 7th, Odor, batting 8th, Higashioka, and batting ninth. Tyler Wade, today's shortstop. <laughs> oh, a lot of comments on the side are why are you guys batting Brick Gardner second. Oh, I love I love Yankees Twitter this time of year. All right, let's go back to the phones. Mark in Oceanside, you're up on the fan. Terrific show. Thank you. I appreciate much, that. Much better than a 5.30 in the morning listen. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> um, you were talking about buyer's remorse with Javi Baez mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. I have buyer's remorse on Francisco Lindor. <laughs> they they gave a guy who was in the final year of his deal, yeah. 10-year extension, yeah. paid him like a superstar. He's not even a top five shortstop. Well, the they, problem here, the problem I have with the Lindor deal is that, listen, we all know, whether it's the Yankees or the Mets, being able to play here in New York, you have to be cut from a different cloth. They didn't know if he was going to be cut from that cloth or not. That's the problem I had with the, the long-term extension. He's, he's, even if he was playing like he was previously, he's still not a $34 million a year player. I mean, he's not even a top-five shortstop. I can mm-hmm. name five shortstops who are clearly better than him. Yeah, Tatis is better. Bogarts is better. Trey Turner is much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correa is better, and Brandon Crawford is better. It's not even close with these guys. This guy is a very poor, in New York, he's a poor hitter and an absolutely abysmal clutch hitter. I mean, we're going to be stuck with this guy for 10, 10 more years at a two forty batting average. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just, it's it's criminal what they did. So Baez is, is not on my radar in comparison to the Lindor deal. Hmm, really? You'd, you'd, pro- you'd say Lindor was the bigger mistake? But, well, Baez is, is a two-month mistake. Of course, I 
hated the deal because I don't like yes. to give up first round draft pick yeah. for for a guy who I don't like to begin with. Right. I don't like feast of famine players. Me neither. I, I give me a guy who hits two eighty and knocks in eighty five, ninety runs. And you know he's going to have a cold streak in the air. Not a guy who's going to hit a home run every week and strike out eleven times in the week. Yeah, well, Mark, the answer to the equation, answer to the problem. I know you know because you listen. Was Adam Frazier from the Pirates? Well, he was one of the answers. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. one of the possible answers. Yep. But listen, they were not going anywhere without Jake Degrom this yes. year, any, anyway. I and I think they should shut him down. They're not. A, they're not a real serious contender, shut him down, let him get himself well, and hopefully next year he can pitch. Forcing him back this year, it would be a typical Met mistake. Well, Mark, and and I like the perspective there. I I do think that Baez was the bigger mistake. I think, listen, Lindor was hurt, this and that. He is historically a slow starter. I know a lot of you guys were getting on him for that. I told you to be patient. He picked it up a little bit, then got hurt. Okay, I get it. I just don't know if I would count the Mets out just yet. Seriously, I'm being really serious. I mean, right now I'm looking at the standings. They are a half a game out of first place in the NL East. A half a game. And yeah, now have Atlanta and Philadelphia. They're tied at the, at, at the top. And the Mets right there are, are right there at a half game. Now, if you're a Mets fan, there's one thing you'd have to like about this. Because when you look at, let's say, you know, the division winners and things like that, eventually, some of the big dogs on the West Coast are going to have to knock each other out. I mean, you can't have San Francisco Giants, L.A. Dodgers, and San Diego Padres all from the same division. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of them is going to reign supreme out of the three. Right now, it's the San Francisco uh, San Francisco Giants. If you're the Mets, you're sitting back in the wild card of five and a half games. You're really hoping you're going to set yourself up for a matchup versus one of those three, San Francisco, Dodgers, and San Diego. And out of the three, I maybe might want San Diego if I were a Mets fan. But what I'm trying to say in a very long-winded way is the Mets can make the postseason still. Will they make a deep run? Who knows? Syndergaard still has to come back. Carrasco's got to prove his worth. The Mets have a lot of things. Lindor, Baez, they have a lot of variables. But right now at at Five, or let's say half a game back at the NL East. I am not, if I'm a Met fan, I'm not quite ready just to pack that in just yet. Considering everybody was told two more weeks for DeGrom. Okay, so that puts you what? September 1st. Syndergaard was what? September 1st as well. And a bunch of these guys are, are going to make their way back. It's almost like they're like trade deadline acquisitions, honestly. But I'm not so convinced of what Javi Baez is going to be able to bring for this team. That, I think, is the biggest, I don't want to say swing and miss, but that's that's the phrase that kind of just popped into my mind. Swing and miss is what popped into my mind. And that's what he does best, <laughs> swing and miss. Yes, he can run into one, yes. But that's not how this Mets team is built. And Wayne Randazzo, I was listening I went into my pool for the first time, second time all, all year on Thursday. And Wayne Randazzo said this on the broadcast. He said, Stro- this is a quote, Strowman with a two-out bunt single and Nimmo follows with a three-run home run. He said, nice to see this team playing some winning baseball again. I mean, that's the way the game should be played in my opinion. If you're the Mets, that is the style of baseball that suits the Mets. When you see Alonzo trying to swing out of his shoes to send one to the moon, 
you know, it just, I just shake my head. It's like, oh my God, like, what are they doing? Let's just get back to what they're good at and we'll see. But in conclusion, I am not ready to count the Mets out just yet. And again, getting to the dance is just half the battle. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City, everybody. And we have a Mets lineup. Yes, we just went through the Yankee lineup. The Mets have posted theirs. If you haven't seen it already, well, listen up, everybody. Gather around. We've got the best leadoff hitter in all of baseball leading off for the Mets, center fielder Brandon Nimmo. Batting second, playing second. Batting second, playing second. Jeff McNeil. I do like that. Batting third, Pete Alonzo. First base, batting fourth, cleanup, Dominic Smith, left fielder. Batting fifth, Michael Conforto, right fielder. Actually, I'll hit retweet for you visual people. Uh, third base, bat, uh, batting I lost track, th- followed by J.D. Davis. Then you got Jonathan VR batting eighth. And Tomas Nito, ninth. You got Taiwan Walker on the mound. And if you're a Met fan, uh, this could get real messy. This could get real messy in Queens there tonight. Maybe you're on your way to the game now. I know if I were going to the game, I would be well on my way. Probably stuck in traffic here in Manhattan. But this game, Dodgers-Mets, tonight's game, could get really, really out of hand really fast. Um, because you've got Taiwan Walker, who has been in just, I don't want to say a landslide, like a slide, but he's been in a downward spiral. For since the All-Star game, quite honestly. And I believe that it is because, yeah, he's hit a wall. I mean, he's pitched more innings this year, he 111 this year so far, before coming into this game, than he has pitched in quite some time. When you look at, and I wrote it down before, let me see if I can find it. I mean, 2020, he pitched in 106 total innings. And again, we're only in, that's the whole season. We're only in, or on, August 14th, and he's already surpassed that. 2019, he had one innings pitched, one inning pitch, singular. And then 2018, he had, it looks like 13. My handwriting's a little, but 13. So I think it's just a matter of just exhaustion, tiredness, you know, on his part. So he's got a uh, an ERA that's kind of sort of astronomical since the All-Star break. I think it's nine something. And um, you've got Walker Bueller taking the mound for the L.A. Dodgers who are a far su- a better team, far superior team than, than the Mets. They are. Bueller has the best ERA in all of baseball right now, at this moment. And it's not going to get any easier. If you were the Mets, you needed to steal one. If you needed to steal one, it was going to be last night's game. And they had their chances. The Mets had chances. You know how many Mets had chances? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six Mets had chances to, to win that game. Smith, Nimmo, Alonzo, McNeil, Villar, Davis all came up empty in a big spot in front of the home crowd against the L.A. Dodgers. And it's only going to get harder for them for from here on out. You got Walker today, or Walker Bueller today, and, and Max Scherzer tomorrow. Good luck, because Max Scherzer has the eighth best ERA coming into the game. So good luck. But then again, the Mets are 46-14 and 14 when they score first, so we shall see what happens. But I'm looking at the lineup again. Oh, yeah, hit retweet on that. I'm looking at the lineup again. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. 
Rojas got it right. That's a nice combination. All right, let's go to Sheep's Head Bay. Rocco, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? What's up? Doing a show. Uh, always listening to you. Danielle, I mean, really, why even bother with Familia? Familia? Give them up, trade them, you know? I knew that was going to happen. Well, it's beyond that. You can't do that now. We are beyond that point. The point of no return. Oh, please. <laughs> See if somebody wants them. Yeah, nobody wants them. That's that's the spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. I knew that they I mean, give them a mess of money. They came back before nothing, you know? I couldn't even sleep. Yeah, I know. You know it, like that a, was a rough a, one. A rough night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I looked at the... What's that? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Daniel. No, I was just going to say, I, I produced a lot of the videos that were posted today, and I remember looking at my clock and oh. saying, 106, I can't fall asleep either. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. I, I against the Dodgers, they came back, you know, against that team, and they're going to lose the game again. Now, as soon as I saw him come in, I said, nah, it's not Edwin Diaz. They're going to lose. Yep. And, and you know what, though? I don't know why. Yeah, Rocco, I, I think I yeah. know why. It, it's been it's been three straight days. I, and I know, like, listen, like, I'm all for, like, riding these pitchers for a long time. You know, I get it. But, like, three straight days is a lot, especially in a plus uh, heat index exceeding 100 degrees. I mean, I was out there yesterday from mm, 3.30 till about 6.10. And, man, I got a little bit sunburnt i was very thirsty you know like it's it's a lot and believe me i'm not sticking up for that you know i believe that it is what it is but it's a lot and why didn't they go to loop or why didn't why was why was familia the one in the spot with the game on the line i don't know i think that's a question that rojas i'm looking now to see if rojas answered it he did not just yet he didn't answer in the post game. I did see that. And uh, what he did say was, uh, he does not think that Familia is tired. He said, not tired. I paraphrase that. He said, there was one pitch that was misplaced, a sinker that stayed up to Will Smith, end quote. Hmm. And then I paraphrase him to say that he he chose Familia because of there were three righties of the next upcoming four hitters. That's all well and good, but Familia... I mean, the guy is, is struggling from a confidence perspective. I expect not to see him in a high-leverage spot in the foreseeable future. That's what I would do. But we'll see. We'll see what uh, Luis Rojas does. That's why I'm here and he's there. Let's go to Robin Bayside. You're up next on The Fan. Yeah, Danielle, I called uh, to talk about your point about pitching. But just briefly, yeah. a Mickey Mantle story. Mm-hmm. This is I'm going back many years. Ozzie Smith is the highest-paid shortstop in baseball, he's pay, he's making over a million dollars, and uh, and uh, he was on the St. Louis Cardinals, and he was hitting two forty. They asked Mickey Mantle, who was long retired, if Ozzie Smith was on the Yankees when you played, how much money do you think he would have made? You know what Mickey's answer was? He wouldn't have made the team if he had two forty. Huh. <laughs> oh, I like that. He didn't even go I the mean, money I, route. He went that route. I, I like mean, that. I mean, Phil Rizzuto and Pee Wee Reese were lifetime two seventy five hitters. Yeah. Shortstops hit better than they're hitting now. Yeah. And uh, anyway, let me. That's my Mickey story. Anyway, let me get on to pitching. Your point about pitching. You know, it's funny. You're right. A, a pitcher is pitching into the fifth, sixth inning. He's pitching lights out. He's dealing. Mm-hmm. And a manager comes and takes him out. Yep. N- nobody can understand this. In the old days, if Bob Gibson and Don Drysdale, if the manager came out to the mound 
in the seventh race inning. They say, get off the mound. Well, I'm finishing this. Thing. Rob, you don't even have to go back that far. Think about what Garrett Cole did. I mean, he was about to yank him, and he was like, I'm not coming out of this game. You remember, that wasn't long ago. What, a month ago that was? Garrett Cole is a gamer. They need to be more like him. And you mentioned the sixth inning. I mean, you got these 24, 25-year-old kids. They could party and drink all night. They can't go one more inning. Well, <laughs> I was laughing. Well, you know what it is, Rob? <laughs> Funny point there. But you know what it is? I think that we have reached, you kind of hit on it before, we have reached a a, a juncture in, in, in baseball where these guys are, are viewed as assets. And, you know, you wouldn't take your Ferrari your, your hundreds of millions of dollars of Ferrari on a cross-country drive down Rady all the way out west, right? You wouldn't do that because maybe you have another secondary car. I think if I had a Ferrari, I would have a secondary car too, you know, just for everyday usage. What I'm trying to say is I think they're just trying to protect their assets. I mean, these guys are paid a lot of money, and this is the thinking. This is the thinking that I'm trying to wrap my mind around as well. Getting five innings out of, out of you know, a Garrett Cole is better than, sending Garrett Cole to the IL and that's money wasted. So driving to Pittsburgh when you're Ferrari and then trading off for something else is better than not driving the Ferrari at all through Route 80. If that makes sense. That's a little car reference. Um, I learned how to drive paddle shifters on a Ferrari actually in Italy. <laughs> that's a story for another day. Let's go to Mike in Blauvelt. You're up next on the fan. Oh, oh hi. Um, hi, Danielle. I'm used to talking to you at night. I know, and- Mike. And, and okay, and I'm going to talk to you about, um, I'm going to talk to you a little baseball and make a football point. Yes. About baseball, about the Mets. I really, do, I don't know if you heard about it. They, they might have their moment now, too, because they're thinking of bringing the game to the, uh, the Flushing Meadows Park against the, against the Yankees. Have, you know, just opened up a can of worms. Yeah. Have you heard about that yet? I have not. That's the first I'm hearing about it. Yes, and I think that's interesting. And about the Ash. I got to get an Astro point because uh, Josh Reddick, they signed to minor league. I hope, I hope that he could get a call up by September, be eligible. I think he could help the Mets. Well, he's doing really well, actually, in in the minor leagues. He's doing yes. really well. He could. I mean, he could. But I mean, the Mets have kind of like a plethora of outfielders. I yes, wish I that was an infielder. Now we're talking about the Mets. A side point. Then I'll get yeah. to my football about Matt Harvey. A little. I know Orioles are going nowhere, but. I think he's starting to pitch like the Matt Harvey of old a little. What do you think? Or is it too premature to say that? Mm, I don't know. I, you know, and, and Mike, that's a great question because I was thinking about that too. One day I was driving and I was like, you know what? The Orioles, they were going to trade him. They were so, they got him to trade him. The Orioles aren't going anywhere, everybody. So I'm like thinking like, well, why wasn't he traded? Why wasn't Matt Harvey traded? If that was the MO from the beginning sort of kind of leads me to think that there's something else going on. There's another narrative that we are not aware of that GMs are. I don't know. I'm just saying. Because it, logically, it just doesn't make sense why he still is an Oriole. I mean, they are, I mean, have a, what, a 0% chance of making the postseason, and yet he's still on the team? I don't know. As far as Josh Reddick, I mean, so far for the Syracuse Mets, he's two for five, one home run, three RBIs, five total bases. Pretty good. And just my one question with that being, why outfield depth? I mean, the Mets are kind of thin on the infield. Have we not just discussed the Javier Baez debacle? I think is a debacle. I mean, depth, sure, I guess. But, you know, Josh Reddick, 34 years old, trying to make it happen still, was released by the Diamondbacks. So far, so good with the Syracuse Mets. So we'll see. We'll, We'll stay tuned to what he's doing there. But I think it's been only two games. Yeah, two for five, probably two games. Um, but one home run. 
So out of those five at-bats, he has just as many home runs as Javier Baez does. <laughs> I know. It's it's a different level. I know. Javier Baez is obviously playing at the major league level. Actually, I think he has two home runs. My mistake. Chris Bryant has one. Oh, well, Chris Bryant's still a better player. <laughs> Mets should have got him. And uh, Kevin from Camden just tweeted me saying that the biggest mistake was for the Mets was letting Zach Wheeler leave in free agency. Boom! Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely agree with that. And he wanted to be a Met. He called him back and everything. So maybe you're a Jet fan tuning in from your way on your way to Met Life right now. Maybe you're at your tailgates. I think the, the lots are open, I believe. Or maybe you're already there tailgating with your, your, your coolers and everything. Shout out to you guys. I will tell you what I'm looking for from the Jets and paying attention to in preseason game number one, numero uno. And you can let me know what you're thinking or excited about too. 877-337-6666. It's the ultimate pump-up song. Guess what? I know how to play a song on my trumpet. The the other song, not this one. But like, go Huskies. I was like, the whole thing. <laughs> Pumps me up every single time. And if you are headed to MetLife Stadium, I'm sure you're pumped up as well. Whether you are a Jets or a Giants fan, I have both set up for you guys. I'm Daniel McCartan here with you guys until 6.30. Hey, just a programming note. If you are looking for the Yankee game after my show, that is going to be on our FM signal, 101.9. If you're looking for a Giant game, that's going to be on the uh, AM signal only at 6.60 AM. Just for your planning purposes. Don't go anywhere just yet. I hope you stay stay with us through 6.30. So, if I am the Jets, uh, what am I looking for tonight? So, what am I looking for tonight if I'm the Jet fans? Well, listen, first of all, before we even get into that, I just clicked on Twitter, and I saw that Jets was trending across all of the NFL. The topic of football, Jets is trending with 27,000 tweets. I'm like, what's this about? Well, uh, last let me hit refresh here. There's a video that surfaced of the Jets head coach, Robert Sala, running the bleachers before kickoff. I mean, there he goes, the bald head up the stairs that you guys are going to be feeling uh, momentarily, I think, right? About, what, an hour or so time? The clip has got it pro football focus. Here, I'll just hit retweet on. So you can go at Coach McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. You can see it. There is Robert Sala running the bleachers at MetLife Stadium. 94,000 views. Looks pretty good. He is in shape. So what am I looking for if I'm a Jet fan tonight? Well, first, we've got a clip for you. Taking care of the ball is, is 100% a quarterback's job. And, and one of my goals when I came out here uh, and I got drafted was just like, how can I adapt to this NFL game as quickly as I can? And I, I can't be afraid to make mistakes, especially in practice. You know, this isn't a game. This is where I'm learning what I can get, get away with and what I can't. And so, you know, there's times where, you know, maybe in a real game I probably wouldn't throw that. But, but it's times where I'm like, well, well, let me try right here and see what I can get away with. And it's, you know, as we get closer to the game, you have to start teaching yourself you know, in that situation, you know what, CJ got a, got a hand on it. He made the play. And so it's like, okay, well, next time in that situation, that same look, I'm going to check the ball down. And so uh, that's what we practice for us to, to be able to play situations out like that. And that's Zach Wilson, obviously the voice of Zach Wilson. I think what well, was an SNY clip, I believe. Yeah. So listen, that's if I'm a Jet fan, that's what I want to hear from my quarterback. So I'm looking for, and I see you guys on the phones, 877-337-6666. If I'm a Jet fan, I'm looking for three things. One, Obviously, how Zach Wilson looks. I mean, that's the obvious thing. I totally agree with every single thing that he said there. You need to try stuff. Listen, I coach. I, you need to try stuff out in practice. Figure out where the boundaries lie, and it's better than doing it than in, a, in practice than in a game, right? I mean, think about Sam Darnold. His first touchdown completion was an interception the other way, pick six. Okay, so let's let's leave it there. 
That's what practice is for, honestly. I always would try new stuff with my players in practice. Then if it works, we keep it for a game. If it doesn't work, we scrap it and or go back to the drawing board in order to fix it. So I love that. I love that. It's it's the great it's a great mentality to have. And then I'm just going to take this second again in the same breath to remind everybody the same thing I, that I reminded everybody with Sam Darnold as well. He's a rookie. Let him breathe a little bit. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, Jets fans. Know it now. Expect it now. And buckle up. Give the kid some room to grow. And with that said, he told you his green and white scrimmage, he used the phrase, wasn't great. 11 of 24 passes for 112 yards, two interceptions, should have been three. Most concerning, though, he had seven possessions with the with the, the A-team. Seven possessions resulted in only three points. So, which is why tonight, I will be watching him tonight to see how he does against a brand new defense. Number two, I did want to see Elijah Moore, but we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, apparently, I, I don't think he's going to play. I haven't seen anything yet. Maybe you guys know otherwise, but here, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I didn't see it. I don't think he's playing tonight. He has a quad injury. He sustained it late in the week, I think Thursday at practice. He left practice uh, early for it to do an MRI, whatever. But Elijah Moore, apparently he's uh, Tyler Lockett reincarnated. So we'll see. I mean, you know what I mean. Tyler Lockett 2.0, I guess you say. Three. I am curious to see what C.J. Mosley looks like against a different opponent. Do you guys remember him? C.J. Mosley, 29 years old. He opted out in 2020. Spent most of the 2019 series inactive. And over the last four weeks, the Jets moved him to the injured reserve. 2019, he played weeks one and six. So the last game action he saw was October 21st, 2019, where he played 83% of the snaps. So I have my eyes on Zach Wilson and I have my eyes on C.J. Mosley tonight. Probably two of the most important people on the field. The, the quarterback for the, the offense, and basically the quarterback or captain, I guess, of the defense. So Wilson, Mosley, watch them. I wish it was Elijah Moore, too. Giants fans, don't worry. I get, next break, I got you guys, too. Okay, so uh, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Jay in Fort Lee, you're up next on the fan. Oh, you're doing a great job in the afternoon. I hear you late at night coming home from work, but oh, this is even better. Thanks, Jay. Uh, before I get to my couple of Yankee points, uh, I think it was you that tweeted, talk about buyer's remorse. Yes. How about the four-year extension on Severino? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that was you that posted it. Or, I mean, that's how's that for a like a Yeah, I, I definitely think the Mets have buyer's remorse, or should have buyer's remorse on Baez. Uh, but Severino, see, the thing is, Baez, you could predict that his strikeout rate and his batting average and where it was going to be. You can't predict an injury on, on Severino. Uh, well, yeah, but some of these guys you can predict. I mean, every year with Judge and every year with, and I'm sure shocked this year, they're actually staying, you know, without getting hurt. But anyway, getting to my point, you know, and you said it's really, you know, you really uh, in, in a pithy way just described the frustration of the Yankee fans you know, with uh, either putting Gardner batting second or the guy they pitch against Chicago. You know, it's the thing that's different about George than his, his son is that there's certain games that Yankee fans, and George was one of them, if not the biggest, don't want to lose to the Mets, don't want to lose to the Red Sox, don't want to lose World Series, and don't want to lose on a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, game, especially the way they lost it. And it really gave the Yankees no chance when you pitch a guy like Haney. Pitch anyone else. Yeah, Bring back Fritz Peterson. <laughs> but don't pitch. I, as soon as Judge hit that home run, I said, I, I turned to a friend and said, I guarantee you, 
And it won't be later in the game. It'll be next inning. The lead will be gone. This is early in the game, you know, when he put him up 3-1. There's a certain thing that makes Yankee fans proud. They like to beat certain teams. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are that are, and that's why they charge sixty dollars for parking at the stadium when they're playing the Red Sox and the Mets, as opposed to the regular forty-five. Which is ridiculous either way, but yes, of course. Yes. Well, you got to park up and take the train. That's what I do. But needless to say, you know, it's it's the problem is at the top. How so much doesn't want to be criticized the way his father does that he, he goes the other way and keeps the same guys for 21 years. But then he also goes out and says, well, we're going to fire. I would have fired Girardi in 17, even if we had won the World Series. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. And it's basically giving total control of the team from from baseball point of view yeah. to a guy that has read, misread the right analytics. He doesn't get it. The mere fact that Gardner's batting second and Tyler Wade, who's now hitting about 275 with a 330 on base percentage and uh, and the other kid, Greg, I forgot his name. Greg Allen. Who was playing, yeah, Greg Allen was playing nice baseball. Yeah. So when you play nice baseball and you're young and coming up with the Yankees, your, your, your reward is they drop you for a guy hitting 170 yeah. and play Gardner every day and then, and then the kid that got in left field, I mean, he's just another one of these guys that hits home runs and strikes out one out every three and a half at bat. Yes. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there's nothing really I can add to that. That was very well said, Jay. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and listen, I, I don't I don't know what this infatuation is with Brett Gardner. I really don't. Batting him second, he's not a threat to run on the base pass anymore. Greg Allen is a guy that is a threat. He's not even, I don't even think he's with the, the, the Major League Club right now. But you have one right there in Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade. Put him second. Steal a base. But, I mean, this, but that is so anti-Yankee. That's not on brand with the Yankees right now. So I guess that's, I guess that's why Brett Gardner's out there. I mean, if you're a base runner and say you're on first, first base on the opposing team, Brett Gardner's in center field and you're like surveying the outfielders like, all right, I'm not going to run on Gallo. I am not going to run on Judge. Brett Gardner, fly ball in front of him. I'm taking my chances at second base. You watch. I want you guys to watch. Be attuned to that. How many guys just... Advance to the next base because the ball was hit in the direction of Brett Gardner. I just want you to just pay attention to it. That's all I'm asking because I can't not see it anymore. It's infuriating. Eric in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Hello, uh, Danielle. Uh, I got the speakerphone. I'm going to turn it off now and then. Uh, there you go. Okay. Much Here's better. the deal. I'm going to give you a, a first off. I think if you and Kim Jones have a thing, you should have the show. If that's that's up to you. I mean, management. So she was good in the morning, and you, if that's the new slot, that's up to you whether you want to. I mean, it all do uh, politeness because you're great. I, I prefer you the single shows like Chris Moore yeah. and Richard than all the other the the, the duos. I go on with the Yankees. Yeah, well, there's hey, only I'm one in. Mike and the Mad Dog. So all these other copycats, they're not even. It's it's a joke. Now the Yankees, everything I heard you say before is is right on. Why is I'm going to be facetious, sarcastic? Why is Gardner still even on the team? And oh, nonetheless, batting second, yeah. the guy is barely batting 200. It's a disgrace. See, I blame this on Cashman and Boone. Boone's not a manager. Go back to the MLB Network. They listen. They're gonna what's what's the old expression? Uh, you know what it is. They're not going to make the playoffs. You that? Yes, I'm here. I'm listening. No, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I just vented my frustration. I got you. See, I see 
the end. See what we saw the other night with the, the walk off homer. I heard what you said a few hours ago, and you're right on. So we're, we're in agreement. Well, why is it gonna forget about Chapman? I trade Chapman. <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. Come on, I, me too. Best club. Why was Brayden? I heard some rumor he may even retire because his arm isn't holding up. Wow. Now wait a minute. Why is Boone, did someone tell Boone to put Braden? And I heard that the stupid comment at the end of the game. No, wait a minute. Braden never should. Braden's a setup guy. He, he, yes. he made, he was a closer with the, the Royal. With a, Loisig is the best guy. Right now, yes. Right. So, yes. so what he did was he was, he was a wise guy. Boone, because he's overmanaging. See, here's my thing. Let me just go back. It's amazing. He actually allowed Kluber to have the no hitter when you think about it, right? I'm being sarcastic when I say that. And then Kluber, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see him again. I don't like, I'll get the cash bid admitted. Severino and Hicks, it's a waste of time. These people aren't going to show up. The season's over. Tampa and Boston own them. And if they ever play them, God forbid, a one-game playoff, guess what's going to happen? Well, you saw the other night with the home run. It's going to happen again. Whoever's pitching, you know it. I'm being a little sarcastic. No, but I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I heard what you said at the opening of the show. So uh, I mean, it's a little do uh, respectfulness. Yeah. We know what the end game is going to be. You know, my cousin, I have a, a cousin in Pennsylvania, and he's a little more optimistic. Oh, we got all these guys coming back, Severino and everything. I said, wait a minute. Hey, hey, Jason, hey, come on. Listen, since 09, listen, forget about A-Roy, the cheat, and Matsui, who won that World Series. They got eliminated every year. Texas, 10, 11, swept the last team with Posada, Mariano, and, and Jeter. People forget about that. That's a little time. But we got to drop you there. I hear it. I, I hear you. <laughs> he said a curse word. That's why I had to drop him. But um, I hear you. I, I, it's it's resonating loud and clear. I, Brett Gardner, I, I looked it up while you were talking. He bats 211. Brett Gardner and his 211 batting average and one stolen base this entire season so far is batting second for the New York Yankees. I, You know what I mean? At least, I mean, Tyler Wade, let's see. Tyler Wade is, is not batting probably any any much any much higher, but let's see. Tyler Wade, ah, 273 he's batting, 11 stolen bases. Like, why is he buried in the ninth spot in the batting order of the New York Yankees? I, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it, honestly. I don't understand. And I'm just going to hit refresh here, check in on what Chris Sale is doing with the Red Sox. Uh, again, the temper this because he is playing against the Orioles. He is pitching against the, the Baltimore Orioles. But Chris Sale, let me click on the Red Sox tab, is, let's see. He was he was rolling early, so let's see what he's up to now. Uh, Sale, four innings pitched, seven strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Gave up two home runs, though, so... Okay. Four innings pitched, seven strikeouts is what I'm more interested in. Uh-oh. Yikes. If I'm a Yankee fan. So, again, maybe you're on your way to MetLife. Maybe you're already there in the parking lot. Great. I'm going to tell you, I just told you with the Jets, but I'm going to tell you now what I'm looking for from and paying attention to with Big Blue, the New York Giants, tonight preseason game number one and you can let me know your thoughts too 877-337-6666 
Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. I hope that you guys are enjoying the show. If so, you guys can give me a, a follow on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I will be back with you guys um, at 10 a.m. next Saturday morning. So, you know, mark your calendars and everything. If you're, if you're, if you're liking it, liking what you hear, it's been fun. And I will take you all the way up until about 6.30 tonight. The Yankees will be on the FM, again, programming note. Yankees will be on the FM 1019, whereas the Giants-Jet game will be on the 6.60 a.m. feed. Okay, so just so you guys know, you're all, guys are all aware. And maybe you're at MetLife Stadium right now. I am jealous. That's for one. One, I'm jealous, so good for you. Uh, we just went over what I'm expecting from the Jets. Here's what I'm going to look for for the Giants. And by the way, Zach Wilson is trending in all of sports right now. Um, the optimism is real for the New York Jets. So, honestly, I wish I was, you know, looking for a lot more in this giant game tonight. And if you guys want to get aboard, I see you guys. 877-337-6666. Just uh, humor me for about three minutes or so. I was wishing I, I was going to see a lot more from the Giants. Um, they're not playing Daniel Jones. They're not playing most of, if not all, of their first-team players. So, that's kind of out. So... My question mark is, and I haven't seen anything, is my, it's an actual question, is Kadarius Toney, the Giants' first round, 20th overall pick in this year's, this year's draft, even playing in this game, this, this preseason game one? That's a big question because you got Jason Garrett saying, this is way earlier in training camp, Jason Garrett says, you know, we're excited about Kadarius. Unfortunately, we haven't seen a ton of him yet, and we're ramping him up here over the next few days. This, again, this is like a while ago. But you can tell he's someone who picks up football easily. But we saw that in the rookie camp. We're excited to get him here and just see what he can do. There were a lot of positive things, blah, blah, on tape, blah, blah. Okay, right? So this guy, Kadarius Tony, started training camp on the reserve COVID-19 list. Just came off of it. He was dealing with the death of his grandmother. He had the wrong cleats on during rookie mini camp. I mean, there's always seems to be something with this guy. So I don't know. I wasn't really a fan of the pick when it happened. I thought it was a little bit of a reach. I think he comes with a lot of extra stuff. And I'm using that term loosely. He's I just I I just don't know if he's ready to play NFL football. I don't know if his mental state is good enough to play NFL football. I think he's got a lot of other stuff going on. So, we'll see. So, I if if he's playing, I would love to see him in action. And two, the offensive line. Listen, I, many many of the starters are getting reps, maybe maybe not, who knows, but Maybe not at their normal positions. It's all subject to change. So I don't know about the offensive line. But if you're looking for another singular player to watch, it's cornerback Rodarius Williams. Rodarius Williams. Listen, I haven't been to Giants camp yet. I've been hanging out with the Yankees and the Mets. But uh, Rodarius Williams, he has gotten rave reviews from those who have been there and who have seen him. He's, he was the six, he was a six round pick out of Oklahoma State, I believe. He's he's apparently lighting up camp. He's saying all the right things. Uh, two things I really liked. He said, "I'm definitely going out there, even though I'm a rookie, and I'm showing them like you've got to beat me at the end of the day." That was after the uh, the Giants open practice, and then this is again Rodarius Williams, cornerback, sixth rounder, early in training camp, early early on. I love this quote. He said he was asked about in house competition. He said, "It just put the fire inside me competitively." We're a deep group, so everyone is out there looking for one opportunity. Every day I just show up and I take advantage of whatever opportunity I get. I'm in coach's ear like, coach, I'm ready. Whenever my moment comes, I'm going to take advantage of it. So there's a lot to like with him. So I'd be curious uh, to see what he can put up against the Jets. And I don't know, maybe 
jump one on Zach Wilson. We'll see. We'll see what's up. But the Giants fans, those are the things. I'm looking for Tony if he's playing. Offensive line, I don't know. But Williams probably would be my number one. Williams one, Tony two probably. Offensive line, whatever at this point. Because who knows how many of the actual starters are going to be playing. All right, let's go back to your calls. Thanks for hanging on, everybody. Let's go Joe in Clark, New Jersey. You're up next on the fan. Joe. Good, good, great job, by the way. First time I've heard you on the radio. You got very knowledgeable. Thank you. Um, couple points. Yeah. Um, about the Jets. I mean, I was going to talk about the Mets, but you know, with tonight, I mean, with maybe, maybe you know, two series for Wilson. Hopefully, he gets a quarter. Uh, you know, he's going to be going against a lot of first-team defensive players, I think. But I mean, I just just want to see him, you know, show something. I mean, I hope they don't just run the wall every down. But at least I hope yeah. he just make sure he comes out healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would really want to, I wanted to see more, but I, you know, what you're hearing about more is basically you don't have to worry about him when he's healthy. He'll be ready. Uh, maybe Mims will get in a little bit. He's been kind of in the doghouse all, all you know, early on in training camp. Did you see but, why? Did you see what happened? Man. Did you see what happened with him? He had a uh, yeah poisoning, food poisoning. Yeah. yeah. I know that's why sometimes there's underlying things that we don't know about, right. and then it comes out as a reason why you know. But uh, as far as the Mets, real fast, I mean, uh, here's the thing about last night. I mean, you know, on Twitter, a lot of people I was saying how that was a gut punch loss, and then people were like, "Oh, come on, it, it was the Dodgers." But the thing is, you know what it is, Daniel? I mean, mentally, after Sunday's game, we were two and a half out after being in first place basically 90 days, yeah. four games, five games. The, the, the win last night would have put us back, even though it's a half a game psychologically to be to jump back in the first place again. Coming back from a four nothing down, a game four nothing down, two outs, and and then scoring, you know, tying the game and then winning it. Yeah, that was that's, that's a tough loss, especially mm-hmm. when you got Scherzer and Bueller back to back. Right, not going to be easy. Um, you know, look, a couple of points I was listening to you earlier about about you know, the Baez, and to me, and I've been harping on it all year. To me, there's no question the big swing and miss by these guys, Sandy and Cohen, was definitely Springer, and I'm sure if they had a chance to do it again. You know, they, they would they would have probably given him a little more money. He's worth it. You watch him. He's unbelievable. He missed, I think, like 58 games, I think it is, and he has 16 home runs. That's more than Nimmo, Conforto, and McNeil combined. I mean, it's unbelievable how good he is. I mean, the guy's – he was the American League Player of the Week two weeks in a row. I think he's the first guy to do that in a long time. Yeah. But, I mean, like, he's the guy, not Lindor. We could have lived with Rosario at short, maybe made a trade for Brian, put him at third, but Springer in the center field and definitely Real Muto – but again, they, they, if you remember what they're saying, that they couldn't, they didn't want to wait for Real Muto. You know, they would, that's why they jumped on McCann. Who McCann, let's be honest. The, for $40 million, he stinks. What is he going to hit? 10 home runs and ducking 40 runs? I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's embarrassing for, I mean, Piazza, that was a, a month and a half for Piazza in the day. I know, I, I'm not to compare Piazza, but I'm just saying, I mean, they yeah. made a lot of bad choices. I hope next year in the offseason, you know, Cohen jumps, because Sandy's very conservative. We know that. Yeah. He, put the, he put the deal out there. You don't want it? Fine. We'll move on to somebody else. And you can't do that, man. I mean, we're missing out on these good players. And, and, and you know, if you watch the game last night with the Dodgers, look at their catcher, Will Smith. You see his numbers? He's got 60 homers and 58 RBIs. What does he make? He makes like what a quarter, not even what McCann makes. It's just, it's just very frustrating. We need players. We're not going to be the Dodgers until we get those guys that, that they have. We don't have them. Let's well, be honest. That's, we have nice players, but, that's true. You know, but, Joe, that's yeah. true. The, the Mets don't have the players the Dodgers do. No one does. I mean, that's a collection. That's an all-star team. Let's be honest. You just have to find the right collection of players that are going to fit your team. And you pointed out a few. Sure. What what concerns me, if, I, if I'm a Mets fan, what concerns me is that Sandy Alderson would like, and I'm paraphrasing this, but Sandy Alderson would like Zach Scott to be the GM moving forward. That would scare me. 
the same Zach Scott that that didn't bolster the you know the, the starting pitching knowing about the severity of Jacob deGrom's injury I mean it's negligent it really is and Javier Baez it was a was a ridiculous I, I can't believe I can't believe that that deal was okayed and went through when the real need like you said was Chris Bryant let's go to Ken in Queens you're up next on the fan hi Danielle how you doing I'm good how are you you know, I've been going back and forth with Steve Summers uh, the last couple of weeks. He told me the Mets were going to win two out of three against Philly. I told him they were going to get swept. <laughs> this week, he told me they were going to win two out of three against the Dodgers. Yeah, no. I said they're going to get swept yeah. once again. And you know, Danielle, last night was our only chance to get a victory. Yes, Come on, it was. tonight, Walker versus Bueller. Come on. <laughs> Tomorrow, Scherzer always handles the Mets. You know, we never do good against Scherzer, all right? So I'm going to sing you, I'm going to give you an excuse. I'm going to sing you a little song that I'm going to sing, that I was going to do to Steve on Monday night. It is from Danny Don, who used to do Monday night football. Turn out the lights, the party's over. Okay, they are done, Danielle. Stick a fork in them. You you will not see the Grom for the rest of this year. And as I told Steve a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to tell you my source, but I have an inside source with someone that told me the fear in the Met organization is that the Grom might need Tommy John surgery. All right, with Glasgow, the same thing happened. They waited to waited to see if he would come back. Finally, he had to have the Tommy John surgery. I'm telling you, Danielle, I'm going to call up you and I'll call up Steve in a couple of months when DeGrom, unfortunately, because I'm a big Mets fan, is going to have Tommy John surgery and that'll be the end of him for the next two years. Well, Ken, and thanks for that. Uh, I mean, but I mean, I don't want to put, I should have kept you on, but you don't really need a source to, to say that, like, okay, when a pitcher feels forearm tightness, that's a major signal. And that that's one of the things that Jacob DeGrom was feeling was forearm tightness in, in his throwing forearm. So that's a big precursor to Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to put a fork in the Mets just yet. They're only two, they're only a half a game out of winning the end at least. But I'm, I know what you're saying. Long-term-wise, they don't have what it takes. They don't seem to have what it takes to sustain, you know, any sort of winning streak long enough and, you know, be able to go against the Dodgers in, in a short series, for example. And they don't. I mean, you, you pointed it out, and I said it before. It's going to get messy at City Field tonight, I think. I hope I'm wrong. And then again, Scherzer tomorrow? Come on. I mean, Walker Bueller's got the best ERA in all of baseball, and Scherzer's not far behind at eighth. And those are the two pitchers the Mets are going against. If they were going to steal the game, it had to be Friday night. And unfortunately, whatever it was, the six Mets that came up with a chance to do so didn't get it done. Let's go. Uh, oh, we have to take a quick break here. Okay, so we've got uh, Erica Herskowitz with a, uh, an update, the final update of the show, and more of your calls after that. Nice. Welcome back I think for the final time, potentially, it's McCartan, Danielle in the daytime. I can't even get it right. McCartan after midnight, Danielle in the daytime, whatever it is. I appreciate you guys, you overnight callers that have followed me into the daytime here. And for those of you new pairs of ears, welcome. Hope you like what you're hearing. Follow me at Coach MCCARTAN, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Uh, quick programming note for those of you guys tuned in all over the tri-state area, potentially at MetLife Stadium. If you're looking for the giant game, 
6.60 a.m., Yankee Game 101.9 FM. So I'm with you guys uh, through just about 6.30. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. And I think, uh, let me see. I, I got a couple uh, uh, tweets here. And listen, Brian Hoke just had a tweet that says, Zach Britton said that he spoke with, this is this is just now, I mean just now, Zach Britton says he spoke with Aaron Boone after the game in Iowa and told him that, quote, I don't deserve to be out there and save opportunities right now. Britton said it was a tough, uh, that it was tough to swallow his pride, but he believes other pitchers deserve those spots. Why does it take a guy that had told you that he has been pitching like, and this is last week, he said he's been pitching like expletive that starts with an S, he said he told you that last week. Why does it take him to come out and say that to the media for Aaron Boone to realize that that was not setting his pitcher up to be in a, in a good position? Okay, Zach Britton is not the best closer on that team at this point in time. Obviously, understood, Aroldis Chapman is on the I.L. Right, he's out. He, he's not an option right now. But you've got Loisaga, and they didn't use him. Boone did not go to Loisaga. He chose. Britain instead, who a week before told you he hasn't been pitching too well. And he didn't say it like that. He said it more bluntly. That is a major, and, and compared with this now, I mean, uh, compiled with this, I don't deserve to be out there. This is a guy in crisis. Zach Britton is in crisis. This is a a, uh, a mental breakdown of a pitcher who has an ERA, the highest ERA he's ever had in his entire career, and it's like not even close. Zach Britton, I don't know if he's hurt. For me, it's it's a total mental block he's having right now. This is a, a guy with 0% confidence. And, oh, my God, Aaron Boone, you should have known that already, man, after after what he told you last week. I mean, come on. That's, uh, that's concerning. If you're a Yankee fan, that is absolutely concerning. Wow. Brian Hoke coming through with a tweet there. Wow. Okay, back to your calls, 877-337-6666. Let's go Christopher in Jackson Heights. You are up next on The Fan. Hello? Christopher! Hello? You there? Hi. Um, yes, uh, I think I've never heard your show before. We were very good. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, I would, mainly I wanted to call because uh, the guy who called earlier about playing the horn out the window. Yes. In Jackson Heights. I live like literally like three or four buildings down on the same oh, avenue. Look at I that. remember that. Seven o'clock, you know, we were sort of in the midst. Yeah. Corona and Elmhurst and Jack Heights were the early, you know, hot spots in the whole world at the time. Yes, so it was uh-huh. very, you know, we, you know, solidarity. People were in his horn and people banging pots and pans and clapping and whatever. It was a real thing. And, and, and strangely enough, when he was talking, I said, this has got to be the guy. Oh my God, this and is so cool. And then he told the story about the, uh, the naked cowboy, and I saw. I, I literally, I was driving my car to <laughs> home and to park my car like a couple weeks blocks away, and I saw it. And I said, "Oh my god!" Oh my happened. god! Cool. I unfortunately, it had broken up. I went actually went back to see the rendezvous, and uh, you know, it had broken up by the time I got back after parking the car and stuff. But it was you know amazing. You're like whatever. So I just wanted to mention that. But I, I mentioned to your producer earlier. Um, it's a little of a side note, but. Cool. Today is the 50th anniversary of the first baseball game I ever went to. Um, I was uh, six days shy of being seven years old. It was at Three River Stadium. I never, you know, never been to Pittsburgh before, you know. And uh, I was, you know, a Pirate fan, 
fortunately, the 71 Pirates won the World Series later. But uh, my first game, Bob Gibson's the starting pitcher. He pitched a no-hitter. The one no-hitter he had in his life, it was 50 years today. And uh, he died earlier this year, so I just, you know, one of the great pitchers. And at the time, though, I was horribly crushed. Everyone's rooting for him to finish and, uh, you know, finish the, the job. My dad was cheering. was like, wait, this is the Pirates. You know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, you know, it was Well, <laughs> if that was up to Chris. But, but, you know, 50 years later, I was like, you know, it's like my first game. I saw one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Pitcher no hitter. Yeah. And uh, it's only down the only from thing Christopher, that, it is only down from there. <laughs> yeah, right. The only the down the one one you know, other thing was that because maybe they gave him a night off that Clemente didn't play and I wanted to see he was my hero. Yeah. Well So uh Mets and John, uh, Yankee fans who complained, I should tell you, try being a pirate fan. <laughs> okay. And we'll end on that note, Christopher. <laughs> I hope uh I don't want to give it away, but when I interviewed uh Francisco Lindor yesterday, last night well, I'll just tell you. You guys can watch it. It's all on our uh, social media channels, the fan on Facebook and, and Twitter. But I asked him if he were to play in a Field of Dreams game, who would he like to have come out of the, the corn stalks in the outfield? You know, who's ghost? He said Roberto Clemente. Lenny in Fort Lauderdale, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, I tuned in late. I'll have to listen to the podcast. All right, you got it. But, um, hey, did, did Vernon call? Vernon called. I got the answer ah. wrong. I, I said 19. The answer was 21 because there were really? two uh, bat girls or bat boys on the field or something. Nah, that Vernon, he's tricky. I know. Tricky, tricky. I know. Yeah. Hey, in regards to that tweet, that just goes to show you what these managers today, they, they just hold hands and pat you on the back. They, they don't criticize their players. They don't take them to task. And I missed that in baseball. I missed the Billy Martins. I miss those kind of managers that uh, the Joe Girardi's. bring a little edge, a little fire to the team. Yeah. Tom Lasorda, even so, I wasn't a fan of him. But man, he would rip into a play, and a guy, a guy's playing bad, and instead of saying, you know, I'm going to sit this guy down, he's dogging it or whatever, he's not, he's not doing the job. They say, oh, you'll be okay for next time, you know, and mm-hmm. and so on and so on and so forth. It keeps going, and, and that's why he, the team plays like crap. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, Lenny. Did, I, you, did you catch the um, the Field of Dream game? Oh, I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss it for Wasn't the world. It fun? Oh, Wasn't it was it awesome. Fun? Yes. I felt so bad. I'm not a big Yankee fan, but I felt bad that they lost that game. They oh, came back. Crushing. They, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a great ending. Uh, Mike Anderson, you know. He's a good player. Tim, I, Tim, Tim Anderson. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good yeah. player. All right. And let's hope the Jets, like the guy said, let's hope this guy just doesn't get hurt tonight. I got faith in what they're doing. I mean, I've been a Jet fan forever, and, you know, I don't have high expectations. I'm hoping the guy does a good job. And I just, I think Sal is going to be a good coach. And see what happens. Yeah, let's exactly. See what happens. All right. Yeah, Lenny, Did you enjoy thanks. your daytime show? Yeah, it was awesome. Loved it. Ah, you're awesome. <laughs> thanks, Lenny. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. I'm on 10 a.m. next Hi. Saturday. Wait, what time? 10 a.m. Ah, even better. I'm, a, I'm more of a morning guy. <laughs> All right, Alrighty. I'll talk to you then. Thank you. All right, bye. Uh, yes, so if you are a Met fan, and, and yes, there is ca- cautious optimism surrounding the New York Jets, uh, if you're a Jet fan. The cautious optimism surrounding the Jets. New head coach, bundle of energy, was running uh, the 100-level the concourse at MetLife Stadium up and down the stairs. It's got like 100,000 views on Twitter already. Yeah, you got a Mike LaFleur who's his offense seems to be tailor-made for a guy like Zach Wilson. Listen, I, 
full transparency, I was hoping the Jets were going to stick with Sam Darnold. But they've turned the page, and so have I. Zach Wilson it is, number two. Here we go. And we'll see what happens. It's just cautious optimism. I think if you're a Jet fan and you're expecting them to make the playoffs, you are completely um, living in la-la land. I would say maybe like winning six games I think would be a success for this Jets team. If they exceed that, great. If not, A, it's a learning experience with a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's just it's one of those years if you're a Jet fan. So give them time to develop. Give them a chance to breathe. Let's go to Chris in Monroe. You're up next on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, Chris? Pretty good. First time caller. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for making the call. No problem. No problem. Just heading up to the Giants game. Uh, oh, lucky day. you. Uh, Giants game. Nice. Yeah. They will snag some uh, season tickets for the year. So uh, making up the first uh, first game with my dad. So we're just on the way. Oh, I'd love uh, that. Looking forward to seeing the, the Giants offensive line this season. Um, a lot of these young guys, you know, we didn't really bring anyone else in. We're going to see if the uh, – the draft capital was worth it last year, so I'm excited to see if we can maybe mix Nate Soldier in with some of these young guys and yeah. finally block for uh, Daniel Jones this year. So, And, Chris, that's the hope. I don't know. I know you're on your way there now. That's the hope for the Giants, although I'm really not sure um, how much you're going to see of that tonight. I mean, I haven't really seen any reports of who the starters are going to be tonight, et cetera, et cetera, but um, the first depth chart was released. I don't think that that's you know, what's what's on tap for tonight. I think you're going to see a lot of guys just trying out different positions potentially. The starting uh, offensive line right now, and maybe not for tonight, but the depth chart has been released, the official one from the Giants. You've got from left to right, Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates in the center, Will Hernandez, and Matt Parrott. And they said it's going to be a rotation combination of linemen. And I don't know if uh, January 13th, uh, Andrew Thomas had a, a foot surgery. So that's, uh, he said he's 100%. He said he's fine. Everything went well. But I don't know. I, I didn't really realize that until, I mean, recently. So apparently he's fine. He didn't want to do any other damage. It was kind of like a, I guess, a preventative measure. I don't really know. No one really knows the details of it. But the Giants offensive line is going to be the key to the success or the failure of this team uh, this season. And that's for sure. And one thing. We just talked about the Jets. The, the Yes Network, again, had a graphic that involved the Jets, and it displayed teams with the longest postseason droughts across all four professional sports. Mariners at 19 seasons, blah, blah, blah. Jets and Sabres actually had uh, 10 seasons each. And it got me thinking, and let's take, of course, the New York angle on this, are the Robert Sala and Zach Wilson New York Jets capable of making the playoffs this season and ending the longest drought in the NFL? And more calls after the break. Welcome back to the finals. I guess eight minutes or so. Danielle, I keep saying McCartan. Danielle in the daytime. Some Bon Jovi for you. Kevin Wall is behind the glass. You know when you hear Bon Jovi, it is Kevin Wall. I love this song. This is like the best. When this when this song plays at MetLife Stadium, place is rocking. I love it. Raise your hands. Love it. Love it. So I, if you're a Jeff fan, um, listen, you know the ups and downs of being a fan of that team. You're full of character. Long story short, they're not going to make the playoffs. But Elijah Moore, he might be really good. And don't forget, the Buffalo Bills just paid their quarterback $258 million. Josh Allen will be there. 
for a long time, and that is the team to beat in the AFC East. Okay, let's go to Roy in Middletown. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, thanks for taking the call. Of course, thanks um, for making it. You know, it's the first time I ever heard your show real quick. Breath, you're a breath of fresh air. Thank Love you. the show. Thanks. Um, I'll tune in when you're in on that Saturday. Yeah. But uh, but real quick, you know, you, you paint the picture correct with Boone and the move he made with uh, Britain. And you know what? Being a Yankee fan, I don't want the guy pitching for me. If he's going to come out and say, I don't want to be in a closing situation, yeah. I don't want you to be in the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning. Well, I, see, I don't know if I would go that far. I think this is kind of like a cry for help saying, like, I don't want to be put in in a high leverage situation. Let me regain some confidence and let me come in in the fifth inning. That's, right. I, I think, what I, how I'm reading into it. Anyway. Right. Right. And, and but you know what? I, I Look, being a Yankee fan, a lot of guys have been always me, always me, the sky's falling down. Where were we four, five, six weeks ago when we were saying, you know what? Not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe a wild card, maybe, but now? Mm-hmm. We made such a run to the top, you know, towards the top that we just need to figure out a way to close out games. I think the offense has really come around now, especially Stanton and, and a little bit of Gardner as well. Yeah, and, and it's no coincidence, Roy, thanks for the call. It's no coincidence that Stanton's coming around. He's playing the outfield. Oh, my God, what a concept. And you've got, of course, Anthony Rizzo. I mean, that makes a big difference. Joey Galli, sure, yeah. Anthony Rizzo is, is the key cog in that. And uh, Sparky is going to be our Mariano Rivera of the day. Sparky in Dobbs Ferry, you're up. First, Coach, it's good to hear you in the daytime. Thank you. Okay. And now the Mets. The Mets obviously had to do three things, and they didn't do any of them. Obviously, they needed a starting pitcher, and you're 100% right. They should have got Brian. But not talked about it much. They should have went really wild to get Kimbrell because, you know, you figure they don't have – they don't have starting pitching, so you figure you want the back end of their bullpen to be strong. Yeah, and Kimbrel was the best on the market, for sure, yes. Okay, and now you had a call before calling about George Steinbrenner, how certain games he would get the team seem more urgent and important. The one thing with Steinbrenner, he could accept losses to the Mets, he could accept losses to the Red Sox, but the losses that upset him the most is whenever they lost to Tampa Bay because he lives in Tampa. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine that he'd be okay with losing the Red Sox, though, and, and the Crosstown no, Mets. He, no, not that he's okay, but he'd get more upset with Tampa. Okay. Now, if somebody brought up Bob Gibson before, a quick Bob Gibson story. Mm-hmm. You know, Tim McCarver was his catcher. Okay, in one game, Tim McCarver comes out to the mound, and Bob Gibson goes, what are you doing out here? The only thing you know about pitching is that you can't hit it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, when you look at those guys, Jacob deGrom falls in that category, too, of, of probably the best pitchers. I mean, right, Sparky? I mean, right? It's just, it's just too bad that he has the misfortune of not being able to stay healthy. I know. Because the guy's ability is absolutely amazing. I mean, you're talking you historic, know. historic stuff. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But you know, to be in that category too, though, you have to pitch all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, it's it's tough to be a star. But you're one. You're doing great on this show, though. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye.
Uh, yeah, a lot to that. Uh, listen, I think if you're a Met fan, the Mets keep pushing this off. Somebody, one of the callers before brought up the Tyler Glass now thing. I mean, the Mets keep pushing this off. Two more weeks. Two more weeks. Let's do another MRI. Let's look at another image. At what point do you say, like, okay, enough's enough. We're going to have to take some sort of medical procedure. And I don't even want to say the TJ word, but Tommy John, I mean, he complained at one point of forearm tightness in his throwing arm. If you're, that's, a, that's a telltale sign if you're a pitcher. You know, I know we're being cautiously optimistic about him and all that. I think once the Mets get mathematically, if, let's, say, let's put it this way, if the Mets get mathematically eliminated from, from the postseason, that day or the next day, you're going to see an announcement about Jacob deGrom. I don't know. Right now, I don't think you're going to see him back in a Mets uniform. And the Yankee, and the Mets have, have a, a, a tough task tonight against the Dodgers. Walker Bueller, the best ERA in all of baseball, is taking his talents to City Field. It's going to be messy versus Taiwan Walker. I hope I'm wrong. And I, I do think the Yankees are going are to win this game versus the White Sox um, after that brutal, brutal loss at the Field of Dreams. I mean, had everything going right. Judge, two home runs. Stanton, who hasn't come up clutch like ever since becoming a Yankee, hits one in the top of the ninth. Line drive, home run. Take the lead, all to be undone. Tim Anderson yells, cut, puts his own little ending to the movie out there in the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Man, exciting games on tap for you tonight. Thanks to all of the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here. Love talking to you all. And if you're looking for the Yankee game, you stay right here, 1019. If you're looking for the Giants and Jet game, you go ahead and switch over to our AM signal. If you're missing any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start of the show, 2 p.m. Great job to Connor Green until 6 p.m. tonight. Excellent job. Kevin Wall for the last 30 minutes. He's got the Giant game tonight. And also to Erica Herskowitz on the updates. And guess what? You're going to need to set your alarms for a different time next week. This is not a drill. I'll be back at 10 a.m. next Saturday morning. In the meantime, you can hit my social media channels, 877. I'm sorry. Hit my social media channels at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we'll keep the conversation going there up until next Saturday. Enjoy Jets and Giants, Yankees, and Mets tonight, everybody. Sports Radio 1019 FM. WFM.